Welcome back, everyone. Episode 104 of the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. So exciting to see these numbers. I mean, I, did you think we'd ever make it this far? Yeah, of course. You're like the first. You were the first person that I talked to about this, like seriously, like, hey. I've been what a do believer you think about this? the whole time. Yeah. I wish we recorded some of those conversations talking about it because I don't even remember like my pitch to you about it. But I just felt like I think I felt like we had something. From no, the I recognized there was value there right away. Yeah, the the biggest thing was that inspiring, encouraging people, yeah. and then informing people, and that was that to me is like the model of value. Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate what are we, what you. What are we giving to people? You know, I appreciate you helping us get to one hundred and four. We are brought to you by Black Belt Digital Marketing. Anything you need to build your business on or offline. Website design, Google Ads, graphic design, and printing, we can help. Check us out at Black Belt Digital Marketing on Instagram or our website, bbdigitalmarketing.com. You can also request a free review of your entire online presence. So let's say you own a gym and you want to see, like, yeah, you could see where you come up when you're sitting in your inside of your gym and Google yourself and see what your rank is. We can give you a, a better picture of what people in and around your area are seeing when they look for you, directories, reviews, social media, and basically grade you on your performance. So uh, go right to the, on the homepage of bbdigitalmarketing.com. There's a place for you to just put in your business information, submit. And I actually record a, like a, it's like a 10 to 15 minute video reviewing the entire report. You can just look at the report or you can watch my video kind of getting a little bit more in depth with the, with the individual, uh, like maybe issues or suggestions that you can take away yourself or, you know, a lot of people hire us to do it for them. So, uh, check it out today again, bbdigitalmarketing.com. My name is Milton Campus. I am a brown belt training out of South Florida. You got Bo behind the camera. Yo. Miguel, he's down there. He Miguel's sick. Down. He had strep throat. He's standing between the headphones. Yeah. <laughs> He's in the, we put him in the bucket. He's in the box. Um, He's in the BJ box. Miguel, <laughs> we're going to miss you today. I, you know, I love having you here. You're the comic relief. Uh, you and Bo. Uh, but uh, we uh, we hope you're feeling better and hope to see you soon. We've got some good stuff on. I, I never want to give out the next guest, the name of the next guest, just in case it cancels or it has to change. <laughs> We've got a really cool yeah. next guest. Uh, but today, not to take anything away, from a uh, returning guest. He is a, a a new black belt, former law enforcement officer. His name is Jason Schwartz from Jiu-Jitsu 5 So stick with us. He's going to be coming on in just a minute. Don't forget to like, comment, share, uh, subscribe. Hit, click, you know, hit the subscribe button and click the bell. The notification bell. We're yeah. supposed to do this, right? I should be prepared, yeah. right? <laughs> click that <laughs> notification bell on YouTube. You'll get a... Uh, a, a message, an alert, an email every time we launch something new. So uh, get on there again. Comments are always great. Try to get back to to you know, like to answer the positive comments. Don't get a lot of negatives, but uh, yeah, check us out. Comment. Let us we're know. Let us know uh, how you think we're doing. <laughs> all right. Uh, a, a few quick shout outs. I'm going to get through this quick because I, I really want to get Jason in here. Cool. Thank you to our friends over at Flow and Roll. Hands down, the best custom gi and no gi gear in the business. And Instead of saying what I normally say, I do want to bring up, but we're connected here still, right? Yeah. Um, not that. <laughs> right? You can. We're going to close this pre-order right at the end of the month, right at the end of December, before the new year. So you still have an opportunity to, to get this as a pre-order, our Peace Love Jiu-Jitsu shirt, 
Um, super proud of this. Sean did an amazing job. He's got some other stuff there, but, uh, you know, this was uh, an idea that I had for a while. Uh, you got the heart, the the shaka, but, you know, with the with yeah. the bones. And the shark. Uh, the shark, the little jujitsu, excuse me, the little peace symbol on the heart. This is, has a lot of meaning uh, to me because I had a heart attack, so it was like an act, a real heart. Uh, and then just, you know, my, my true love of jujitsu. So check it out. You got the shorts, you got the top. Um, he's got a lot of other cool, really cool stuff there. Uh, I like to also mention, uh, the, one of my favorites, the leg locker, um, Miguel yeah, was involved with this. Uh, I think, I, yeah. uh, Miguel actually helped conceive this. Uh, this is so funny, right? How come nobody thought of this before? You're a leg locker. Well, legs coming out of a locker. Yeah. Like how how cool is that? I mean, it's just like it's like it's perfect. Yeah. So check them out. Again, our pre order is on the site. We're going to end that at the end of the month. Uh, if you you know anything else from the site, uh, at flowandroll.com, you get twenty percent off with code JJD. Uh, you know, again, I think I've mentioned this before. Like the coupon code isn't going to work for the pre order, so don't message us. Um, but we appreciate the support. <laughs> And uh, everybody out there knows, like, you know, we're always doing giveaways and things like that. So we're still going to do, if you get in on the pre-order or purchase anything from any of our sponsors, we're still going to do the $250 giveaway. As soon as I end the pre-order, I'm going to take all of the emails that I got, for, like, with people sending us receipts. going to take all of those, we're basically going to put them in a hat, and we're going we're gonna to pull out a name, and that person's going to win at least $250 worth of jujitsu swag. So it'll be... Um, stuff from Flow and Roll. Maybe we'll see if, uh, if the guys from, uh, uh, or the crew over, I shouldn't say the guys. So if uh, maybe Candy and Mike want to throw in something, uh, either CBD and or some, uh, some Neutral Zone Clean products, I know we'd really appreciate it. And uh, I think that'll be really cool. So uh, once again, flowandroll.com, 20% off with code JJD. Check them out for their for their custom stuff, man. They're incredible. They have an incredible pre-order program for, for gyms and academies throughout the country. They make it real easy for you to get everything you need for your students, okay? Uh, thank you to the BJJ Box for all of your support. Tony's been wonderful to us as well. He gets us a, a subscription box every month. You guys have seen us do the unboxing. Uh, their jujitsu's favorite monthly subscription box is delivered to your door filled with premium jujitsu, grappling, uh, grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, snacks. I mean, you've seen the stuff that we've unboxed on the show. They find the best products in the world of jujitsu and guarantee that every box is basically going to be worth more than the items, like the retail price of the items in the box, right? You can get $10 off your first box with code JJD10. And I think we should probably have another box coming. Hopefully it'll be uh, one more. There'll be one more box before the end of the year that we'll, we'll wind up doing. So we're actually, uh, Bo, we're going to shoot. Obviously we have today's episode. We're going to be off the week of Christmas, but then the last episode of the year, we got a really, really cool guest. I told you the name. I don't know that we've really spoke about how popular he is. And he's got a really, uh, I hate to call it a gimmick, but he's got, no, he's got know, what stick. he's known for. He's got a shtick. Yeah, he's known for something that's really, you know, uh, it's my shtick, cool man. in our world. I like to, let's just say, uh, I, I've talked about it as being like uh, my old man jujitsu go-to. So we'll leave it there. Nice. Uh, thank you to Neutral Zone Clean. You can check them out at NeutralZoneClean.com and Neutral Zone Clean on Instagram and Facebook. Um, this is not Neutral Zone CBD. We're basically going like we're shouting them out on every other episode now. Uh, Neutral Zone Clean products. 
Uh, they don't have any CBD in them. So if you've heard us talk about the two, you know, we always like to mention that. Uh, Neutral Zone Clean is all about staying clean on the mats, keeping your body clean, you know, avoid try helping you avoid like staph and ringworm and things like that. Uh, they are owned by a, a family that trains jujitsu. Uh, Mike trains jujitsu. His son Chase is a wrestler and trains jujitsu. So, like, these are actually people in our world that are, you know, have started this company and providing products to um, to those of us in this world. And they know what we need. They know what's lacking. So, um, again, check them out. Fifteen uh, percent off with code JJD on this one, guys. Again, NeutralZoneClean.com. Again, Mike and Candy, the owners of the company, they're awesome. Uh, you see this big bucket. You can get, uh, it's $10.99 off with code JJD gift. So that's kind of, that's separate from the JJD. You can get this specifically. You can use code JJD gift to get $10.99 off of this one. (laughs) What's that? You're saying that so clearly and and smoothly. Well, 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 I, I, there, there's actually a reason why you don't even know this. Somebody used, they, they didn't, well, they, somebody used JJD gift on a full order and $10 off what he ordered is more than what the percentage would have been. Right. So you like game the system, they uh-huh. fixed it. So that's why I kind of mentioned it. Right. So right. with the JJD gift, the bucket, um, if you order anything else, the sprays, the refill, um, the canister of wipes, They'll throw that stuff in with free shipping. Obviously, you can't use two different codes, but yeah. you'll get the free shipping on those items if you order the bucket and, and anything else. No okay? code stacking. Yeah, you just, yeah. I mean, you can't do it. You can't put in two codes. But we really appreciate you guys. Thank you for all the support, uh, Mike, Candy, uh, and Chase. And uh, I know there's lots of good stuff coming for us both in, in the new year. So can't wait to continue to work with you guys. All right. Anything else, Bo? Mm-hmm. That's it. Good. Let's dive right in. Let's get Jason in here, man. I'm excited for this one. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> All right. Welcome, Jason, man. How you doing? I'm good. How about yourself? Good, man. It's been a while since we spoke. Lots happened. Yeah. Thanks for having me back on, man. I appreciate You're it. You're always welcome here, man. Thank you so much for doing this again. Um, first question. Retired? Left? What? what what's the situation? Are you, you're no longer an active law enforcement officer? Right. Yeah. I guess you could call it both. Uh, early retirement, uh, okay. left, quit, whatever, <laughs> however you want to, <laughs> however you want to say it. But yeah, I decided um, last September, um, after 11 years on, I decided it was time for me to move on and, and do something else and get out of the profession. Like a lot of cops have made the decision, you know, over the last several years. Um, but, you know, it was a really hard decision for me to make because I, I, did like being a cop. I really enjoyed the job. There's a lot of aspects of it that I really liked. Uh, but at the end of the day, after 11 years, I was just burnt out. You know, yeah. I was, it was, it was one of those things where I knew I had at least another 10 years, if not 15 before I could like officially retire. And I just didn't know if I could, if I could stick it out that long. And there was a lot of other things that I wanted to do and accomplish. And so I just, uh, you know, I, I thought a lot about it and I finally made the decision to, uh, to leave. And I, I think it was the right one. You know, I went through a weird period after I left. That was like six months after I left, it was like this weird kind of like almost depressed a little bit, not knowing like, what am I going to do now? It was just this weird thing, but now I'm at a stage where I really feel like, okay, 
that was the right decision. I'm, I'm starting to get some of my, uh, like my happiness back and like, you know, <laughs> my personality and I'm not as like angry and anxious as I used to be. Um, so that's definitely helped just removing myself from it. And I tell people, man, it's one of those jobs that I think it has a shelf life to it a little bit. Um, it, it, I feel like they should treat it almost like the military where you have an assignment and maybe you're in it for, you know, five years, 10 years, but then you, then you get to like have the option to retire and go do something else. Um, because I think I, there's so many cops that I know that I've talked to that at that, like 10 year period is really, they're like, what am I doing? I, I don't know if I can do this for another, you know, two years, let alone another 15 years or whatever it is that they have left. So, yeah. um, but it's been good, man. I've, I've gotten to, you know, really focus on jujitsu five Oh, and just training in general. I've gotten to do a lot of stuff that I've, that I've been wanting to do with like my weekly, uh, like law enforcement class, for example, that's something that I've been, been able to do, or I teach cops, uh, jujitsu for free. I, I run two classes a week here locally, um, open to all cops. They can come in, train, learn, cool stuff for the street. And, uh, you know, that's something I really, really enjoy doing amongst many other things with, with the business and stuff. So yeah, at the end of the day, I think it was the right call. I'm happy with where I'm at and, um, but I do miss some parts of it. Yeah. Do you think you would have been able to do that? You know, essentially, did you get jujitsu five Oh to a place where it was just like, okay, I'm replacing this income. I could do this. Was that, would you have not been able to leave if you didn't have jujitsu five Oh? Um, you know, I guess it, I think I would have left anyway. Uh, cause it was time, you know, fortunately jujitsu five Oh was doing pretty well. Um, I didn't replace my income by any means. There's still a small business and there's still a lot of room for growth. I'm fortunate enough to have, you know, a wife that works full time and, um, does fairly well for herself. So I've, you know, I always joke that I've got a sugar mom. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so I'm, I'm fortunate in that regard, but yeah, I think that I probably would have ended up leaving regardless of the money or where I was at with my company, just because it was, it was time, it was time yeah. to go, you know? And so, um, but it definitely helped that jujitsu five Oh has been growing and, um, I've, I've been able to kind of turn it into something that I, I didn't even really know that it would get to this point where it's at right now. And that's kind of cool. And, uh, I've had a ton of support over the last few years since I've started it. And it's been, it's been really fun just like putting in the work every day toward it and seeing yeah. it grow and getting messages from people that, uh, that, that support me and stuff. It, it's been awesome. So yeah. I have a little saying, and it sounds like this is what happened to you. I tell this to clients, especially when they start, you know, I own a marketing company. I don't know. I don't, I was working in the marketing industry when we spoke last I have oh, since yeah. reopened my marketing company. So I'm under my own umbrella again. I had a nice. new marketing company for about eight years, worked for, with somebody else for six, and now I've been under my own umbrella for a year. Uh, November 1 was like our one-year anniversary. Uh, okay. It's always Congrats. selling basically the same suite of, of, of products. But I'm always telling clients, like sometimes you need to let the business steer. And what yeah. I mean is like sometimes it tells you the thing that is like, hey, go down this path. That's where the the fun is the money is like, this is like a, there's, there's a thing here and yep. I'm going to, is, am I assuming maybe that part of the thing that you didn't see before was, are you doing seminars now and stuff or like people hiring you to come in and do, and, and are you traveling a little bit as it relates to that? 
I am. Yeah. So I'm doing a lot more uh, seminars and like in-person courses. Had you ever thought that that was going to be a thing when you started Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 or was it? Was you it know, in the back like- of my mind, I thought that I would probably do like a seminar here and there. But then I started to get a lot of messages and like the market started to like have like more demand for those in-person classes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so to your point, I think, you know, it kind of the business tells you what what you're supposed to do. And I've, so I started doing a lot more of that kind of stuff. And, uh, initially when I started, I wanted to do everything online, right? Cause everything that's, that's kind of where everything's going is virtual training and, and all that stuff. Obviously there's still a need for like in-person physical classes and all that. Um, but I started out just by doing everything online. So like instructionals was a big thing for me, putting out technique content on the, on the web and everything. Um, but yeah, I just started getting more messages like, Hey, would you be interested in coming and doing a class for us? Would you be interested in doing this? And so it started to build kind of from there. And, uh, I think next year I'm probably going to be doing a lot more in-person training for agencies and for, you know, just kind of one-off classes and stuff like that, which I love doing that stuff anyway. So it's great that people, you know, they, if they want to hire me to come out and, and train with them, I'm more than happy to do it because it's, that's kind of, it's what I'm passionate about. Did you have, did you get congratulations on your black belt? Thank you. Yeah. Did you, was that before or after you decided to leave? That was, uh, that was after just like a few months after I left actually. Yeah. And it was almost a year ago to the day. Today is what the 15th. So yeah. I think I got promoted on December 18th of last year. That's awesome. Again, so it's been almost man. a year. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's so crazy. I don't even, I don't know how to describe it. Like, you know how that imposter syndrome kind of kicks in when you get a new belt. It doesn't matter what belt, right? Like you get your blue belt, purple belt, brown belt. Every time you get promoted, I feel like you, you feel like an imposter. And, uh, I'm glad to hear you say it, that. Cause it, it's, I'm, I'm going through it right now, but go ahead, continue. Are you? Okay. Yeah. 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 So I, I think it's even worse, uh, when you get your black belt because you're kind of like, holy shit, like this is, this is something that you thought about since you started training jujitsu and you never really thought it was like ever going to happen. It just seems so far away. And then before you know it, you've been training for 10, 11 years, 12 years, and somebody hands you a black belt and you're like, oh my God, like this is this is the moment, right? This like getting serious now. <laughs> this is getting serious. Yeah. And now there's this expectation that I'm supposed to be like really good at jujitsu. And then you start comparing yourself to like these world champions, like Cobrinha and Marcelo right. Garcia. And you're like, well, at, at the end of the day, I'm not them and I'm never yeah. going to be them. <laughs> and so that part has been kind of weird and challenging, but you know, at the same time, I feel like I was ready. Um, I, I, I put in the work and I was really excited uh, to kind of get to that level. And the other thing I think that's interesting, like you hear that cliche is like, once you get your black belt, that's when you start learning jujitsu. I always thought that was bullshit until I got promoted to black belt. And now I totally understand it. Like I get it now. What, it what, makes so much sense. What's different. Can you give us an example? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm getting there and I, I'll tell you what I'm going through in a minute, but yeah, I want to hear it. But what, what has changed? What's actually changed? Cause I, again, I, I'm not sure what's going to be different between now at Brown and, and black. Yeah. But can you elaborate kind of on that feeling? Like, what is it about that feeling? Well, I think you, well, you stop caring about the next belt because that's, there is no, there's nowhere else to go. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm be, not, I'm I'll not be dead before be. I get a coral belt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I won't be yeah. alive anymore. I'm not going to be a coral belt, you know? Um, and so you don't, you stop caring about that. 
and you really start to focus on for me anyway is like kind of all the fun things of jujitsu that you can start to learn right like things that maybe like right now i'm really working on lasso guard i never played lasso guard leading up i just kind of worked my game kimuras arm locks collar chokes but now because there's nowhere else to go from here i'm starting to realize like oh there is no destination you just enjoy the process there's no end goal to this right like you just you wake up every day and you you do jujitsu because it's fun um, and so I'm, I'm starting to like see that now. And I think before I got promoted, it was always sort of like, well, I have to, I have to show my professor that I'm, I'm getting really good at these things and I'm, I'm yeah. you know, hanging with the upper belts. And when you get a black belt, you're just sort of like, well, whatever. Yeah. I don't, I don't care about that stuff anymore. I, I want to just learn jujitsu. And so I, I guess that's kind of where my head is at with it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So let, let me tell you, this is, I apologize, but hey, this is a talk show. My story might be a little long here, but it'll make sense it. in the end. So I really started to think about this. I hadn't really put this together in my own mind until recently, which is when I started jujitsu, I was a blue belt in six months. Now, the only reason I trained every day, six days a week, yeah, two to three hours a day at least, open mat on a Saturday with another school. I mean, I literally like to the point where my girlfriend was like my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time was like, it's a little ridiculous. Like you're just (laughs) always there. So if I opened for the, at white belt, I was opening the school, brand new school. Uh, Coach was an LEO. He was actually, uh, he was a New York city cop. uh, And then he, uh, he got onto Homeland security. He was like internal affairs for Homeland security. So like he'd be doing like a, he'd be like, I'm doing a stakeout. I don't know if it was always true. I think half the time he'd go down to Miami and, and, and like go see a girl, but probably uh, so that now, now looking back, I think so, uh, but he'd be like, Hey man, I'm on a stakeout. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Uh, can you open? And again, I was in a, um, you know, it was a grown man. I started at 41. So you could, you could trust me. I was a businessman. I understood both sides. I was trading marketing services for my jujitsu and he was a family friend. So, uh, he was a, f- a friend of my wife's family, but again, okay. I got my black belt. I, it was my black belt. I got my, my blue belt in six months, but I was training every day. He was a black belt. And in the beginning, sometimes it was just us. Um, at six, uh, at about three months, I said, Hey, I want to do some tournaments. I'm, I'm interested. I went in first tournament, double golded white belt, six months, not bad. Uh, yeah. I was, and again, I was at, I was 41. Everybody was half my age. I did new breeds yeah. in my town, pretty decent size. Everyone was half my age. There was nobody my age. Um, boom, I'm beating these young guys. That was the first tournament. Second tournament, um, one gold and no gi like some freaking linebacker like cleaned my clock. <laughs> so but I was, you know, already, you know, at by by that six month, I was pretty good. And again, if you look at how many days, like a lot of times people train, what, two, three days a week? You know, again, I was mm-hmm. training six days a week for the entire time from when I started. So anyway, so I had my blue belt really quick. So fast forward, I would have had my brown belt the July, right after COVID. COVID started in March. I would have had my brown belt in July. I wound up blowing out my knee the day before we went into quarantine in like that March. Oh, yeah. Um, so Brutal. COVID blow out my knee. I'm not training. 
So I wound up not like getting my brown belt for almost like another year and a half because then once I got back on the mat, like I just didn't, I don't know why, whatever the coach did, like he just didn't do a promotion for a while. So yeah. I just wound up getting it like more than a year later. So like, okay, now that gets added on. So this is where it comes in. So I get my brown belt. We don't do stripes. And just a couple of months ago, we had a new coach come in. I guess he convinced our main coach and the owner, hey, let's do stripes even for the adults. They did it for kids, but they didn't do it for the adults. And I've got my brown belt and they call me up and I think I'm going to get a stripe. And he gives me three stripes. And that's where the pressure set, set in because now yeah. it's like that much. Now you're only this far away from the black belt. And right. not only that, like people that don't know my story don't know that I was like, they just know when I got my brown belt, they don't know that I was supposed to have it a year and change before. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, you yeah. get a couple of people that are like, really? You just got your brown belt. Now three stripes? Like, okay, you have to know the story to go, oh shit, you really should have had it. Okay, so I get yep. it. You're around. So my, yep. my the initial part of my journey, like somewhat, some people are like at white belt for two years. Here I am at six months. So I'm already at that brown belt way quicker than most people would, right? A year and a half sooner. But then COVID kind of evened me out, I guess, right? COVID in the knee evened me out. But getting those three stripes, I start to feel the imposter syndrome. I had gotten back on the mat. I come back, groin injury. So I'm kind of like on and off the mat. Recently, knee injury, a knee injury recently again. So like, again, now, okay, getting three stripes, but I'm not training as much. It's like two or three days a week. So I absolutely fell into the like, Oh shit. Do I really deserve yeah. this? Am I a yep. brown belt? Am I a, am I a brown belt that can compete with these guys that like now we're seeing on the internet and that we're seeing you know on, on these shows WNO the fight to wins. Not that I would ever compare my myself to Gordon Ryan, but this is what we're seeing, right? This right. is the jujitsu that we see and you're like, yeah. No. Yep. I no. That I, that's <laughs> not what my jujitsu looks like. So absolutely having that more than ever before. And I'm the guy that used to tell like the white belts that were, you know, turning blue in the beginning when we first started, it was like white and blue belts that were my buddies. I was like a purple when we started this and they would all have that. Like, I don't think I deserve it. Coach says he's promoting. I I don't want it. It feels, you know, and I'm the guy like, ah, come on, dude. It's the beginning of the journey. Like now you got your blue belt. Now you're going to learn blue belt shit. Right. Um, and now I'm there going, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. I'm yep. about to, like, black belts around the corner within the year if I can stay healthy. Yep. Am I really there? God, I haven't trained as much as I would have liked in the last couple of years because of injury. So that's my imposter syndrome. That's why I'm feeling it right now. Yeah, I think I, I you I think you made so many good points. And I think a lot of people probably feel that way. And there's probably a lot of people that don't want to admit it or talk about it. But I think it's important because there's so many factors that go into belt promotions. And just like we have to remember that like everybody's journey is different. And it's it's an individual thing. You know, you're if I get promoted as a 42 year old black belt, the, the 30 year old guy that just got promoted at black belt that won the ADCC is or whatever, like there's levels to this shit, right? Yeah. Like we have to remember that there's levels to this. And just because, you know, it, it, you got your Brown belt or you got your black belt, it doesn't mean that there's, you have to compare yourself to like the Gordon Ryan's of the world. And like these guys that just like are, freaks of nature and you know incredibly born with just incredible talent that we're never going to get to that level um 
one of my instructors back in the day, he, he said it best once he said, you know, when it comes to black belts, he's like, there's, there's black belts and then there's black belts. Right. And that made a lot of sense to me because there are a lot of just like club black belts. I'd consider myself one, you know, I, I'm a black belt, but I'm, I'm never going to go win ADCC. I'm not going to go win gold medals at IBJJF tournaments. I do jujitsu for different reasons. Right. And then you have guys like, uh, that are really high level competitors that do it for those reasons. And then you have size and strength and age and, and people that say that size and strength and age and all that shit doesn't matter in jujitsu. Anybody listen to this podcast, if you think that, or if you're a new grappler, like it's all bullshit, right? Like size and strength and age absolutely matter. Um, and if you get a new belt promotion and you, and you go train one day and you get tapped by a lower, a lower belt rank that happens too. And you yeah. can't beat yourself up over it. You just have to keep showing up. And, uh, I always tell my guys, like, you can't win practice. We've been There's saying no winning that a practice. lot. We've been saying that a lot here. And that's all yeah. we do. Like when we go train, we're just, we're practicing. Yeah. I look at it. Am I better than I was yesterday? Can I, can I handle myself against the free trial class guy that's bigger and stronger than me that comes in with no grappling experience whatsoever? I would like to think yes. Right. That's sort of like the gauge kind of that I use. Am I better than I was yesterday? And can I handle myself on the street against that guy that's bigger and stronger than me that doesn't have any grappling or fighting experience? Um, and if I can do those things and I can also get all of the other benefits from training, the mental health benefits and the physical benefits and all that, like that's a win for me. I don't need to, be the next Gordon Ryan or the next Marcelo Garcia. I don't have to do that stuff. Um, yeah. So I don't know, you know, for what it's worth, I think uh, if like, again, if anyone's listening and they, and they're having struggles with that when they get promoted or they're thinking about that next level, um, hopefully that maybe helps give them a little bit of peace of mind that it just, just enjoy the process, man. That's yeah. all it's about. I listen, I'm, I'm 40, I'm going to be 50 in June. So okay. six Damn, months, nice. man. I'll be 50 yeah. in June. So I think sometimes I have to remind myself that like I'm still rolling. I'm rolling with the the kids, the 19 year old that's coming yes. out of the, that's been training longer than me in the yep. kids program in my gym, you know, and then graduated into the adults at 16 and he's been rolling with grown men now for the last yeah. three years. Like that's who I'm rolling with. That's right. Who, you tweaked my knee the other day. We were exchanging toeholds, you know? Yep. I, I have to remind myself that's like, you're still, you're 50 years old, freaking still, you know, holding your you're own with, the, with these guys. You're a baby. <laughs> I, I, I look in the mirror and I do say, <laughs> I actually do say that to myself that I'm like, I mean, I still see, I, I say this all the time. I still see the young punk, the 19 year old kid in the mirror. Yeah. I've got some, some miles on me, but I, yeah. in here, I don't really feel any different. My, right. when I wake up in the morning and have to, my have to have my wife, Push me out of bed with the foot because I had a crowbar tough, uh, training the night before. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. You know, I I feel it then, but I in, it's like in here and kind of I guess my mind like I'm not 50 years old. I my wife is having a hard time turning 40 in a couple of months, and I'm yep. just like, what the why? You're yeah. active. I got her into uh, she's like just kickboxing classes, and you know she's getting into she never worked out till she was like in her late thirties ever. I got her into, you know, she found the thing that she liked was, was pretending to punch me in the face when she goes to, to, to class. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, I, I don't, I see like a kid, 
my body may not always keep up with that kid. Shit, I'm, I could do, <laughs> I was a gymnast when I was little and I'll throw a cartwheel pass, like a little, I'll do a cartwheel next to you and like Love pass it. you. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done it in a couple, maybe a couple of months, but I did it to, my coach has it on tape. He took a, the security camera tape, me okay. doing it as a joke when I was like rolling with him and I did a cartwheel yeah. right past him, but. I still feel like I could do that stuff, but it's I don't like want to kill myself. It's like doing a barrel roll in a Fleetwood Cadillac, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Thank you to Feito IT and AV, specializing in commercial and residential automation, security cameras, CCTV, POS, and more. Check them out at feitoitav.com or call 305-428-2515 and let them know the dummy sent you. Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box has now joined the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. The BJJ box is delivered to your door filled with premium Jiu-Jitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. The crew at the BJJ box find the best in the world of Jiu-Jitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes four to seven items you're going to love. Visit thebjjbox.com and use code JJD10 to get $10 off your very first box and give them a follow on Instagram at the BJJ box. Neutral Zone is combat family owned, so they know you need to keep yourself and your equipment clean. They created Neutral Zone clean wipes and sprays for just that purpose. Neutral Zone products are formulated to reduce the risk of bacterial and fungal infections. Whatever's making you sweat, weight training, rolling on the mats, yard work, or just working around the house, Neutral Zone clean wipes and sprays can make you feel and smell refreshed. Use code JJD to get 15% off your online order at NeutralZoneClean.com. While you're there, sign up for their newsletter to receive the latest info and updates on product launches like their new shower gel and soap bar coming soon. Are you neutral zone clean? Special thank you to the crew over at Flow and Roll for all their support. Flow and Roll is renowned for their incredible nogi rash guards, shorts, and leggings. Flow and Roll has quickly become the premier custom apparel provider for academies big and small throughout the United States. Reach out today to discuss your custom order and ask about their incredible pre-order program. You can send an email to flowenroll at gmail.com or visit their Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll and shoot them a direct message. And yes, they can create an awesome custom gi for your academy as well. Visit flowenroll.com to check out their awesome designs and while you're there, pick up a Jiu-Jitsu Dummy signature tee exclusively at flowenroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or gis with code JJD. Yeah, man, that's such a good, that's such a good point. You know, one of my favorite training partners, and I, I, I tell people this all the time, his name is Pat Worley. He's 74. He might be oh. 75, 74, 75 years old. He's one of our black belts. He trains five days a week and he is like a tough ass training partner. All right. This guy, he, I remember rolling with him several weeks ago and I was like, I was kind of going light cause I felt bad, right? It, it's morning training. Everyone's still waking up and I'm going kind of easy. And he looked at me straight in the eye. He said, don't you fucking take it easy on me. And I was like, yeah. man. And so if you go light with him, he'll tell you that. And he will like, he'll catch you in a triangle choke. He'll catch you in a collar choke. And his body, he, he told me one day, he's like, listen, I, I, I'm sore most of the day, but when I feel good is when I'm in here training jujitsu. And he's always so thankful that his body's still allowing him to do that. And 
you know, I, there's another guy that trains with us that is right around the same age of one of our other black belts. He trains five days a week. Um, those guys are like inspirations. And I look at that and I almost feel like jujitsu is kind of like the fountain of youth in that way. Cause if you don't use your body, you're going to lose it. Right. Yeah. If you, if you're, if you sit around and you don't do anything, eventually things start to tighten up, you lose a lot of that mobility. And I think jujitsu just keeps all of that stuff fresh and, uh, man, it, it's been a saving grace for me now to your point, I'm 42. And so I'm over 40 now. And I do wake up, you know, some days I, after a hard training session and I got to like, things are a little, <laughs> little tough getting out of bed. Uh, but I've been doing a lot of yoga lately, which has been really helpful. I try to do like, um, even if it's like a 10 minute vinyasa flow for, you know, whatever, I try to get in a little bit of yoga every day. And I've really noticed a difference, not only just how I feel throughout the day, but also just in my jujitsu game. Uh, that's been really helpful for me. So, yeah. You know, I use. I don't um, know if you do anything like that. I, I do a lot of stretching. I stretch. I have to stretch. I use a massage gun almost every morning. I, I left this thing in my car. I have this thing. I think some people call it a thuracane. It's got all these little pieces that I can get into my back, and oh uh, yeah, like it's got handles, and you can kind of like get it into to do your own to kind of. It's almost like putting an elbow in your back. Like you can really get into certain spots. But I do that pretty much every morning, and then after I train, so I'll come nice. home usually. I cold shower. That helps. Cold shower, yep. and then I'll come and stretch and try to use a massage gun. Now I'm not. It's, uh, I, I've had to do it less. The best thing for me, for my recovery, has been actually lifting, lifting okay. weights. I yeah. feel like that really helps me. I feel the difference when I'll go a day between jujitsu. So it's jujitsu, either a rest day or weights. I've actually yep. been trying to go during lunch. I'll take a break during lunch. Go to the gym. I have, my community has a nice little gym. And then I might actually train that night too, but the I feel like the weightlifting helps me. I'll work yeah. something that's really tight, usually my neck and my back, right? So I really feel that that helps me. But my stretching, believe it or not, it goes way back. That there was remember the P90X videos. Oh there yeah, was one yep. very specific video that had a lot like a yoga. Um, there was just like yoga stretching, and then it was it's like then at the end it was called like yoga belly or something like it was for abs. But I do stuff from that. And then I've taken like yoga in my local gyms and stuff like that. So I do like very specific things that, that I know work and like loosen up my hips and, and, and things like that. So so I do that. I was telling my wife the other day, I'm like, could I go to yoga during lunch? Like, wouldn't that do be it. even better if I can get like a nice like hot yoga class or something like that during yep. lunch, you know? Because uh, she, yep. she, she was going to a yoga place locally for a while. I'm like, could I do that? You know, maybe that, that would be even better. I know people swear by just, you know, again, stretching, getting, getting all these pains out through yoga. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what, what I've found too, uh, with yoga is that there's a lot of, uh, carryover into jujitsu. So like a lot of the movements and stuff that you're doing and these static holes and the positions that you're putting your body in, I'm like, Oh, this is like, I end up here in jujitsu. Like, uh, you know, if I'm doing like some type of spinal twist or something, um, on my back in yoga, very similar to getting like smash when someone's trying to pass your half guard and your body's bending and moving in the same way. So there's a lot of similarities in that regard, uh, which I found to be really helpful. And, uh, I used to make fun of yoga all the time. Like my wife has done it forever and I'd be like, that's stupid. I'd rather just, you know, do whatever. And then I tried it and I'm like, Oh my God, this is like really hard. <laughs> yeah. You know, when, uh, when I re like, uh, my lineage with my coach goes to cyborg down here in Miami mm. 
And yep. when I really got started to like, I need to incorporate this more was finding out that he did yoga every day. My coach okay. saying he does yoga. It's like, how do you think that he's still like, he's able to, to, you know, move into these positions and move so fast. Yeah. Um, and it, he's like, he does yoga every single day. And I guess like, uh, his girlfriend, Maggie, I don't think they're married yet. His girlfriend, Maggie, uh, she puts out videos all the time of her doing like yoga on the terrace yeah. or she does a lot of the coaching at the gym down there in Miami. So anyway, so like when, when I heard him talk about that, I'm like, I probably should take this a little bit more seriously. And then that's when I went back yep. to the the mental filing cabinet and pulled out those P90X moves. And I was like, I always enjoyed this. And I started to incorporate that a little bit more. So uh, definitely sure. I don't do it. I, I've taken yoga classes at my gym. Uh, like yep. I went to LA fitness before COVID and I, there were bags, so I'd go hit the bags, and then sometimes it would be like a, a, a yoga class right after. Sure. I'd go like a half hour before, warm up on the bags, and then they would have some yoga. So, I yeah, I, I was doing that, uh, and then COVID. So, yeah. you know, then it was just like, eh, probably don't want to be going, and then everything <laughs> shut down anyway. So, yeah, that killed everything. Yeah. All right, so I'm curious, how, how long have you been off the force now? How long uh, it it's just been a little over a year. So within, when, when you were still on, I guess, you know, like, uh, I guess that you can consider that post COVID still like you were post COVID, I guess. If we want yeah. To, yep. I guess. Are we still now we're like in COVID again? I don't know. Um, uh, yeah. That's a good question. <laughs> are we back? Is COVID back? <laughs> um, like they had, the last time we had spoken that so much had been going on, you know, defund the police and just, you know, all the shit that was going on. Had it gotten yep. any better at the end there? I know you said you kind of got tired of the, you know, uh, I'm sure mentally draining. Had it gotten any better? Had it, had anything changed for the better or the worse? Or was it just, was it still going downhill? I think it was at the time it was still going downhill. Um, I feel like there's been maybe a small shift kind of toward uh, supporting the police a little bit more now, but you know, it, there's still a lot of that stuff that's going on. But yeah, when I left, it was still kind of at the height of everything yeah. in you know, I'm in Minnesota in the Twin Cities and I worked for an agency in the Twin Cities. And, uh, you know, so we had to deal with a lot of the backlash because a lot of the high profile incidents that have happened in the news happen here. Right. Um, in the Twin Cities specifically, which is crazy because like training wise, we have some of the highest training standards around and then than other states in the country. Um, so to see kind of some of those things like all happen here was a like that just sucked you yeah. know um and uh but it, i i don't know if it's gonna completely turn over i think it has to i think if you look back kind of like historically policing like has always ebbed and flowed right yeah. in terms of the support that we've had and so i think we're just kind of in one of those down times right now and uh, social media certainly doesn't help. I think every when everybody has a platform to post a video with no context and um, you know all that kind of stuff. How how I can imagine because I mean I, I I find it hard to watch those videos of police like struggling to take somebody down. You know, again without context, I'm not going to get into like well why are they trying to arrest that guy? But watching two or three cops fumbling trying to take somebody down and get the cuffs on them is incredibly frustrating for yeah. somebody in this world who goes, Oh my God, if you just train a little jujitsu, how frustrating yep. it's got to be even more frustrating for you to see that shit. Yeah, it is, man. And, uh, I always tell like when I teach my law enforcement class, I tell my cops, I'm like the one thing that we suck the most at is takedowns in terms of like when we have to go hands on, 
and you see it all the time. Uh, I, you know, obviously I've seen it on the street with my partners. I I've seen a million videos of cops trying to take people to the ground. And I think it is one area that, um, that's lacking. I actually just put together a, a three-day takedown course that I got post approved here in Minnesota. So I'm going to start rolling that out next year, having agencies host it uh, where I'm just focusing on takedowns. So from common positions, escorting people, um, if you're grab onto somebody and they start to pull away, what do, what do you do, right? Rather than playing tug of war and trying to pull on their t-shirt or their hoodie or make things up on the fly, I kind of put together a, a three-day class that we're just going to drill tons of takedowns beat each other up hopefully people will be pretty sore by the end of it but that was one area that i'm like we need to fix this and so <laughs> i put that class together but you're absolutely right like it just it, it's frustrating to watch and you know if you just had to your point a little bit of jujitsu or even some fundamental wrestling like learn how to take someone down on the ground it's not that hard um especially when you train it and uh it, it's the first step i always tell people in any fight Cause you see oftentimes two cops will try to be handcuffing uncooperative people from their feet. And that is almost impossible to do no matter the size of the person. I tell people this all the time as well. Like if you ever have to try to like handcuff, like a wiry 15 year old girl, impossible, right? Cause you're not trying to hurt them. Um, but maybe for whatever reason, they're on a welfare hold and you got to send them to the hospital or maybe, you know, they stole something and you have to place them in cuffs for whatever reason, but trying to handcuff anyone from your feet is almost impossible. It's way easier if you're able to take them down to the ground and let them fight gravity plus you. Um, it just makes life a lot easier. And so I don't know, man, we got it. We definitely need to fix that, that problem. <laughs> it's gotta be equally as frustrating. Again, I, I know for me it is to see an overweight cop. There's a video that I just saw the other day. Um, there was fat a guy. Cops, fat cops. <laughs> What you gonna do? Bo's wanted to sing that. Can you hear him singing that? He wanted he yeah. he wanted to sing that. What you gonna feed him so, when they come to you? <laughs> I, I know. I, I'll say this specifically. I saw a video. It looked like maybe the cops had like a woman or maybe a child in the car, and a guy like runs away. And there's this like fat cop that like the guy's running away, barely like he's jogging away, kind of yeah. looking back and realizing the cop is like this fat guy. I think the cop took out his taser, but. The guy was so far away after he like kind of sprinted away a little bit, and it's just like, well, go get. Isn't it your job to go get him? How frustrating yeah. is it to see these out of uh, out of shape, overweight cops in in these videos? Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's a it's a job that I think you have sort of a responsibility to keep yourself in good shape, and it's not even necessarily yeah. for like those instances where you have to run after somebody. Because I'd also argue. In the political climate that we're in right now, there's a lot of crimes that happen where maybe somebody runs away and for, for cops, it's just not worth it to chase them down, right? Like yeah. a, if someone steals, you know, $15 worth of meat from Walmart and they and they flee on foot, who gives a shit, right? At this stage, like, because what happens if you chase them down, you catch them and then they start to fight with you and then you have to kick their ass and then it becomes this big use of force incident and now there's an IA to investigate whatever tactics that you use and you're getting sued civilly and it becomes this big thing that didn't need to happen because who gives a shit if Walmart loses 15 bucks of me, right? So, but at the same time, where I see it as kind of a failure is to your partners. If, you know, if I'm in a fight with somebody in an apartment complex and there's no elevators and you have to run up four flights of stairs and then help me fight, you need to be able to do that. 
Um, and so if you are out of shape and I call for help and you're not able to help me because you're 50 pounds overweight, you can't run, you have no mobility, you have no fighting skills whatsoever because you refuse to go to jujitsu class. Like that's where I really have a problem with it. Um, and so for me, when I started training, it wasn't just to defend myself. Like I wanted to be a good partner. I wanted to keep myself in shape. I wanted to know how to fight. So if shit hit the fan, I wanted to be the guy that like, if I, if you called for help and I showed up, you know, that we're going to take care of it, you know? And so to me, that's the biggest thing, but yeah, there's also those times where you do have to chase after people and you got to run upstairs and you have to, you know, it's a physical job and you need to be prepared for that. If you want to be a professional, you know, and I I think there is just the lack of standards, um, or these like minimal standards that it, that, we've adopted across the country at law enforcement agencies to become a cop is like it, it, it infuriating. <laughs> you know, it's uh, when I grew up, uh, I grew up in New York on Long Island and my dad was a cop 23 years. That's right. Uh, I think and, I remember you saying uh, that transit PD before the, the departments merged and it became all NYPD. Um, you were saying 11 years and, and, you know, thank you for that. I think yeah, about thanks. my dad on a freaking train for 23 years, you know, Long going back and forth. I, I know in the, the last uh, maybe five years, he was, uh, he really actually was in a van with a bunch of cops going from station to station. And they would do, uh, I always tell everybody like money train, like they would do like, a, they, was, they were called the decoy squad, but then they got in yeah. trouble and they were on like 60 minutes and all this shit for like, <laughs> uh, for uh, what would they call that? Uh like you know setting somebody up what's the word for it uh entrapment they were, they, they were okay. like is yeah. this entrapment if like a, a cop is pretending to be drunk and then i pull a plastic chain off his neck and you arrest me All right but at the end he was doing that it was called the decoy squad and then um right before he got on the squad 60 minutes was doing a story on them uh and then they, they were like okay yeah we're gonna get rid of that and then they called it the brooklyn queens task force and they still did the same thing uh, but that's what he did for like the last five years. So I could see like huh. at 15 years, he became a sergeant. He was behind yeah. a desk for a little bit. And then he, he got onto that squad and that's, he retired from there. Um, but, uh, you know, when uh, growing up on Long Island, most young like boys like myself, you were, you wanted to be a cop or a fireman. Like that was like a huge part, like in the city though. Right. NYPD yeah. fire department. Right. As I'm thinking back to those times and it was never like, I want to be a cop to help. Like when you're a little tiny kid, you're saying that, but when you're like, Mm -hmm. it's time to like take the test and get on the job. It was always about, I'm going to work 20 years. I'm going to retire. I'm going to get good benefits. Like it wasn't like the mindset wasn't like, I want to help. Like we didn't live in the city where these kids essentially on Long Island. Like I tell people all the time, I, I probably said it a million times in the show. I grew up, I used to catch rabbits in my backyard. I remember deer being like, run through my backyard before, like they really started to take down a lot of the the the, the woods in the forest. Uh, but I grew up uh, an hour outside of the city, and I didn't, you know, I'm so glad that I didn't get. I took the test. I got one wrong on the test. I was on the list, and then Giuliani came in and said you had to have two years of college. I was going to school, quit, so I couldn't get I couldn't get on to, to NYPD. And and then I, but it wasn't my dream. It was more like my dad saying like, do this kid, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. But there wasn't, I never remember anybody that wanted to be a cop in those days. The kids, us young men were, weren't being like, I want to make a difference. It was never like that. There was never that desire. Plus yeah. you didn't know what the hell you were getting into going into the city. You were so far out of your environment. Like 
wait a minute, I don't know the the city, the streets, the boroughs. Like, you're yeah. a fish out of water. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, again, I'm, I mean, I'm just making a general statement that, you know, I'm so glad that I didn't do it because I was doing it for the wrong reason. I was doing it because I thought I was supposed to father mm-hmm. uh, following my father's footsteps. Oh, do 20 years, get the retirement, you know, get the, get the pension and, and so on. But I sure. mean, it's just that I think that was at least an NYPD uh, here or here where I grew up in, in New York. It wasn't like, I want to make a difference. Like again, you were just, they were doing it for the wrong reason. And then I see these got these cops on these videos getting screamed at, getting, you know, uh, perp getting away from them. It's just like, yeah, they, this isn't what they thought they were signing up for. Right. It was just right. like shiny badge. I'm making a soup, you know, like, look at me. I'm, you know, <laughs> it's not like yeah. that. I mean, you know, you know better than it, it's not, what you see on TV and the cop shows, oh my God. And, yeah, you know, no. it's just like, yeah, I mean, it's it just is the exact like opposite. Yeah, it's dirty. It, it's gritty. It's it's hard. People have it's no idea. Yep. It. Uh, you know, you think like if you just watch cop shows and uh, movies and stuff, you think you have an idea of what the job is, and it is like the exact opposite of that. And most cops do get into it because they do want to make a difference and they do want to help people. And you get into the job and you realize like. You help people sometimes, but those times are very few and far between from like the day-to-day bullshit that you have to deal with. Like yeah. the civil, the civil matters. Like, you know, I always call it the car key police. Boyfriend won't give me my car keys, that kind of shit. Right. So you go and you respond and then they're, they're both screaming at you and you're like, what, what am I doing? You know, yeah. like the, my neighbor blew his leaves into my lawn today when <laughs> Okay. I don't give it who cares. Right. And like, is this what I signed up for? And like, you get so many of these, just like this mundane day to day nonsense where adults can't figure out how to deal with their problems themselves. And so they call nine one one, which is supposed to be for emergencies for your listeners. Um, (laughs) if, uh, if you have an emergency call nine one one, if you have a problem, with your neighbor or whoever figure it out because you know, and that's a big thing too, that uh, I think over time just burns people out and, and makes cops jaded. Cause they're like, you just start to feel like everybody is just, you know, you're just a referee. Yeah. I, I had, <laughs> right. We had somebody on the show. I can't remember who it is, but I know we had somebody on the show and said, and, and kind of said something along these lines of think about this for a second. Like if you could, I, I'm not going to compare it to a soldier that goes to war but you have to wake up every day worrying about getting into a fight, potentially mm-hmm. getting shot at. Um, like there's an equivalency there of like fearing for your life on a daily basis. Is that something that yeah. ever played into your daily, your daily mindset? And and what kind of effect does that have on the, on the average cop who again is like essentially like, are you walking away with like PTSD almost every day? Yeah. You know, I, I, think in a, in a way you do, because even for all the mundane, stupid calls that we handle, it only takes that one call that you go to where shit just goes south. And then all of a sudden now you're, you're in a fight or someone pulls out a gun or, you know, like there's a lot of that stuff that happens. And so you just like, you never know what's going to happen. And even sometimes on those like calls that you think are going to be, you know, nothing, it turns into something way bigger. And you're like, holy shit, like, where did that come from? You know, how did, where'd that knife come from? 
this guy was being super cooperative and now all of a sudden like we're we're wrestling the knife out of his hand <laughs> just like yeah. things can go south really quick um and so there is kind of that like there's that aspect to it and then there's a lot of those calls that you have to deal with that are just sad for anybody like dead kids right like yeah. no one wants to deal with that and you deal with that a lot on the job at least i know i did and I know a lot of other cops did um or do on a, on a regular basis and it's just like that stuff i think it takes a toll on your brain over time right like by the by the the 10th time you deal with that you're like jesus christ like do i this is what this is my life this is my job why do i have to deal with this or continue to deal with it and so yeah like to your point I think it is like, um, I mean, obviously there are some similarities with the military. I was never in the military. I, I have a lot of really good friends that were, I worked with a lot of great guys and gals that were in the military and they'll say that too. You know, it's like with policing, there's no, you know, getting deployed and then coming home and being done with it. It's just like, you go to this stupid job every single day and you never know what you're going to get. Um, and obviously like assaults on police officers are way up over the last couple of years. Um, we're seeing a lot of that stuff in the news. It's still a very dangerous job. Um, and what, I don't, yeah, I don't know did, where did like it have it, on your family. Did it, did it, did, is, was there a noticeable toll that it had you're, you're, you're married? Oh yeah. You're still oh, yeah. you're married. Yep. married yeah. Uh, you have one one child or a couple? <laughs> uh, three actually. I, got, yeah. I have three three boys. Yep, three boys. Yep. Okay. Three boys. I've been married uh, for seventeen years. Oh wow! Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, but I mean, yeah. To your question, like th there was definitely some periods during my career where I didn't know if we were gonna make it. You know, and like my wife and I have been together forever. Like we've been married for seventeen years, but I think we dated for three or four years prior to that. We've always had a really strong relationship, but there was definitely some years that were taxing um and not because of her it was be you know looking back yeah. on it, it was because like i was taking a lot of that stuff home with me and i was taking it out on her and the kids and i was always in a bad mood uh i was complaining about everything all the time i was never happy and like that that can take a toll on anybody right and yeah and that's just like unfortunately that is the reality for a lot of cops and it, not because they are trying to be that way um, but because of like years of doing the job and dealing with all of those things that I've talked about, it's just, it's taken a toll on their, on their brain. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to kind of get out of that, that pattern. Um, and I also say there's been a lot of talk about this too, but like, you have to try to find a way to not identify with the job or make the job like your Identity. personality. Yeah. Like the job is not you. Yeah. It's, it's just a job. You can quit it. You can go do something else. Um, they're going to replace you the day after you leave and no one's going to care. So like you kind of have to have that mindset of it because if you, if you make it a part of your identity, I think things can get even worse and yeah. you start going down that, that rabbit hole. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. I, I remember when I was a kid, uh, again, uh, for those people that have listened, I, I probably said, I, I know I've said a lot of these things before, but I remember as a kid, again, on Long Island, watching the, the news, Channel 7 News in the city, right? Uh, cop gets shot, and we just have it on. We have the news on until the phone rings, yeah. and my dad said he was okay. Like, right? it's not me. Right? Yeah. It wasn't me. Like, yeah. I remember. I remember waiting, you know, and, and maybe I didn't, at those times, I probably didn't, uh, I know my mom was probably like, oh, shit. I, right. As a kid, it was kind of like, 
you know, oh, dad's hook. It's my, it's going to be my dad of all the kind like, and then the phone yeah. ring, he check in with my mom and be like, I'm okay. It's not me. It was, you know, we're, we're yep. good. Him and his, uh, they, they, they always had a partner. Uh, you know, we're good. It wasn't us. Okay. I'll see you tonight. You know, uh, yep. I remember those days though. And looking back on them, I could imagine what my mom was going through that she wasn't sharing with us as kids. Like, you know, that she might share with another adult. Now, just so happened, actually my neighbor, my next door neighbor, um, actually, uh, brought my dad out and they bought two plots of land. He's like, I'm building my house here. And he brought my dad and he was like, you should buy this. Land. And they built houses right next to each other. I think, I okay. don't, I think they went through the Academy together. So we, That's you cool. know, we grew up to this day. They're still friends of, you know, like, like those are like my brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles. Um, and like, they would go through the same thing and it was like, okay, yeah. Did Frankie call? Yeah. Tito. Yeah. Tito called. Okay, good, good. And then yeah. they could go about their, their lives. But I, I don't know. I've never asked my mom if they if they were ever sharing it like the worry. But they never showed it to the kids. They never showed, you know, like I, the TV was on. And it was like, don't change the channel. Leave it there. Let's see what's going on. But then yep. again, the phone would ring and it was just like, okay, reset. We're, we're, we're good. You know, it was like no big deal. Yeah. But I could imagine what she was going through. And, and I can imagine, t- you know, even today with the craziness that's going on and what you see on the Internet. Yep. You know, to what wives and families go through these days. Like, is that my husband? Yeah. Is that my wife? Is, are they coming home tonight? Yeah. I think you all, it's natural. You know, you always worry about that stuff. And I, I still worry about my, my friends that are still in it. I don't want to see anything bad happen to them. And, you know, unfortunately during the course of my career, I've been to a few different law enforcement funerals. And actually, uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, we did a seminar, we taught down in Austin, Texas, and there was a guy, um, that attended that seminar is a white belt. He's a police officer in Texas and uh, great guy. We, we got to meet him, got to know him um, kind of, I think Kyle, my buddy, Kyle, who you see in all my videos kind of kept in touch with them a little bit via social media and stuff. Um, Kyle text, I was out to dinner with my wife. Kyle texted me, uh, I think this was like a year ago and said, Hey, um, do you remember Richard from the seminar? So yeah, I said he got shot and killed in the line of duty last night. And I was like, holy shit. Like, and that hit me really hard because it, it's one of those reminders that this job, it, it doesn't, it doesn't care about anything, right? Like it, this can happen to you or someone that, you know, and I think it's easy sometimes to lose sight of that. Cause you think, yeah, it, it won't be me cause I'm safe and I'm tactical and I, I, I train and I do all these things, but there is always sort of that that possibility because it is a dangerous job and um man i just like yeah i i worry about that stuff a lot i hate i hate to see that stuff happen um you know it yeah it's frustrating it's very frustrating i i hate that we live in a world where that that you know that that stuff happens but it does now and, obviously we know the beauty of jujitsu we know how much it can help us with the mental side of our lives like for for a cop obviously it was helping you with you know things that you have to do on the job and and, you know making an arrest and putting handcuffs on somebody were you able because you were doing it for that were you also able to get like really truly truly feel like the mental benefits of jujitsu or or were you oh was your mind always going oh i I, i'm going to be in this position tomorrow i could like did you really get to like when I'm in jujitsu, I can everything goes away. My head yeah. is clear. Um, yep. you know, whether I'm choking somebody or somebody's choking me, in that moment, I'm not worried about 
the order that didn't come through, the client who didn't pay on time, my wife upset because I'm working too much, you know, (laughs) all of that gets washed away. Were you able to enjoy those benefits or was it, were you always in a, like a work mindset? No, a hundred percent. Um, jujitsu saved my life during my career, man. I, I don't know where I would be right now had I not discovered jujitsu. Um, because of how stressful the job was and all that stuff I was taking home. I knew when I went to jujitsu, I had this outlet where I, you know, to your point, I couldn't think about anything else. I couldn't think about that call I was on with the, the baby that I did CPR on that, that ended up dying. Right. Like you don't think about that stuff on the mat because you're getting smashed in side control. And I'm only thinking about like, how do I get out of this position? And I think also over time by training jujitsu like that and, and, and putting yourself in those spots, you, you learn to be a little bit more calm kind of in the midst of all that chaos. Right. And so when you would go to calls and your partners might get super amped up, I found myself like I was able to calm myself down a little bit more and maybe not, not you know, get to that level. Not to say that I never freaked out on someone on a call because we've all lost our, our cool. Right. But I think in general, jujitsu helped teach me how to be a little bit more calm in those types of situations and, uh, definitely had like therapeutic qualities to it, um, outside of, of work. And I tell people this a lot too. Like I started training jujitsu to learn how to fight and defend myself for work. That's why I started as I started training after a couple, two, three years into it, I realized like now I'm training for all sorts of different reasons. And like the self-defense aspect of it is like not even on the priority list. It's, it's great. It's a nice to have, but I'm doing this shit. So I, I stay sane and I stay in shape and all of that kind of stuff. So how, how do you, how is your outlook on the world of policing now that you're on the outside looking in? How has, um, has anything changed within the departments as it relates to this type of training? Yeah, I th- you know, I think uh, I think some departments are starting to be a little bit more progressive and they're seeing more value in this type of training, like jujitsu, not only for the, the physical, uh, you know, control and defense aspect of it, but also for all those other reasons that we were talking about, the mental health benefits. That's a huge thing within agencies right now. Like the mental health thing is something that used to be a big stigma. And now people are talking about it more, which is great because I think it needs to be talked about because there's so many cops dealing with um, with that side of things. And so that's been really good. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I still have a lot of similar views. I think that I had before I left, I see the job for what it is. I understand how agencies operate and why they make certain decisions and stuff like that. I've never been somebody that's like, Oh fuck admin. They suck. They, you know, there are some administrations that definitely suck, right? Like we can probably all agree on that, but that's also like, it is a difficult job. There are unfortunately decisions that have to be made within agencies that not everyone is going to agree with. Um, I think there's always been kind of a lack of communication between administration and and the cops that, that work for the PD. And I think that's something that could definitely improve. Um, but from the training aspect, I think, things are starting to change more agencies are starting to adopt jujitsu. There's a lot more people promoting it, which is really good. Myself included. You got guys like, uh, Ari and Jay from Invictus. If you've heard of those guys, they do a really yeah. good job promoting jujitsu. Chad Lyman. We had Jay on. Uh, we had Jay on. He's uh, from, 
Henzo, Henzo's in Austin, right? Oh, yep, that, yep. Right, yeah, yeah, we had, yep. we've had him on. Yep, Jay Rebsch, awesome yeah. guy, yeah. one of my one of my good buddies. Gorilla, um, or, is, or is, is it Zen Jiu-Jitsu, or Gorilla, what was it, what's his handle, like Gorilla? Oh, uh, uh, Zen Gorilla. Well, he's BJJ Copper, Zen Gorilla, yeah. Zen yep. Gorilla, yeah. Zen Gorilla. And I know Invictus, um, we follow Invictus as well. But yeah, and you know, you got Chad Lyman, you got uh, uh, Effective Fit, or Effective Combatives with uh, Jay Wadsworth. Like, you got a lot of really high-level, knowledgeable um, experienced guys that are that are helping promote this, which is great because it's getting more exposure. And I think again, more agencies are starting to see the value in what we were training all these years. Mm-hmm. We're now starting to see, oh, maybe this isn't working because of all these videos that were shot, like right, cops can't take somebody down. To your point, um, we don't know how to do a basic takedown, yet we're wasting this time and money in a training room swinging a foam baton at a bag and yelling, get back. We're still doing that around the country. And I don't understand why. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I don't get a, it. Is that in a British accent? Get back. Get yeah. back. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. That's yeah. We should actually, I think that that would make it at least funny. I, I was talking to, to Bo today and we talked about it last week when Miguel was here. My co-host is actually out sick. Um, I believe if I was ever to open a gym, I believe that there are three different types of jujitsu classes that I would actually have. I would have, I, I think that you can take sport jujitsu, mm-hmm. right? You could take self-defense jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's law enforcement jujitsu. I think that yeah. you could, yes, all of those people could train together, but I would envision having very specific classes for those things. Do you, yeah. do, you, do you agree with that? Do you, you know, right? Yeah. Especially the law enforcement side. Uh, you mentioned, uh, did you, you said something about free, like free classes, right? I've said, yep. if I had a gym, I think that the law enforcement classes would be free. Like, yeah. that would be wonderful. Like, law enforcement, veterans, like, those guys just train for free. Or, or the precinct or the state the or the city can pick and it up. You want to make I money on those guys? Guess what? You're probably going to make money when they bring their kids in, right? You know, oh, but, for sure. But, like, those guys should train for free. And again, I, I, there should be very specific classes that are going to help them. I think, yep. you know, I, I, I trained with cops. I, there are some, some LEOs they've come and gone and, and there's one right now that I train with and it's great, but he's not getting the jujitsu that you should know this on my gym. Like we're yeah. more of a sport jujitsu gym. Yep. He's not getting the jujitsu that you that you show on your videos that I know that you use where you're working with a partner, you know, how to yeah. cuff somebody, like you said, take somebody down, gravity's your friend. Yeah. He's not learning that. I think that that should be a very distinct part if you can do it and not every school has enough LEOs to do it. You know, it might not be cost effective, but I believe if I owned a gym that those would be the three classes that would throughout the week, there would be very specific classes for those things. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I, I think it depends on who the person is, the type of grappler that they are. Like if you're a guy like me that started and I just fell in love with jujitsu, I was getting the law enforcement stuff out of it, but I was also learning kind of the sport aspect and I, it was like all encompassing, right? Which also has value and benefits. Yeah. But I think there's also a lot of cops out there that don't have the time because of family life, shift work, they work overnights, whatever. Like that's a tough, that's a tough thing to deal with, you know, especially if you work overnights and maybe you're working four 12 hour shifts and then you get three or four days off 
And on those off days, you're trying to catch up on all the shit you didn't get to do when you were working, right? And so if you're that kind of cop and you still want to train, then yes, I think with that limited time, you should definitely focus on a specific set of things that are going to be more applicable to your job. You're still going to get great training and a great workout out of it, but that's going to carry over much, much better than if you just show up two, three days a week and you're learning heel hooks and, you know, single leg X guard entries, right? And that stuff's fine. But if you do have limited time, some cops can only train one day a week, right? Well, let's learn, let's, let's practice takedowns. Let's do some drills, takedown to neon belly to, you know, gift wrap to rolling somebody over onto their stomach. Let's get really good at that. And that's kind of how I approach jujitsu. I go back to, I, I think again, I, I, one of the things that I love about your videos is that you, you put a focus also on working with a partner. Yeah. That's something that has to kind of be learned as well. I'm here. You're there. I'm holding this arm. You're doing that. We're not just like, again, I've seen videos recently where it's like three cops, one guy, like a cop tases another cop. Like, again, these are videos. (laughs) I don't know how well, right? Like, like a cop tasing, thinking he's tasing the perp and he he tases this one of the, one of the part, like thinking there were three people and he tases the wrong person. And you know, like so much could go wrong. It's like anything you have to get good at it. And the only way you get good at it or be able to implement it is if you practice it. So I really do love that about your videos. And I think, again, that's another part of it. It's just like, if I, not that I would teach it, I think like I would bring in people that, that, you know, I think, I think you need to have be in or have been in law enforcement to teach that. It's not something that I think that can just be cheat that just be taught. I could teach the over 40 classes, you know, (laughs) right. But um, I, if you're not practicing that and that, that's not a specific part of, let's call it a curriculum for LEOs, I think, again, then you're not getting it, right? Yes, right. I like, okay, let's work with a partner now. So there's like, get get into a group of three, somebody's going to be the perp, and right? And then there's, there, you know, you two are the cops and now you have to work that. And and yeah. and carry your weapon. And again, I don't. I'm I'm not 100 percent sure. I know I've seen this in your videos, but like, actually, okay, wear your cuffs, wear the belt, right? Have your gun, have your cuffs, and we're gonna just like you would drill in sport jujitsu. You're gonna drill this and put the cuffs on, then take them off, and then you know switch to the next guy and let's drill that. Again, yeah. I think that that's a big part of it. And other than guys like you, um, uh, you know, guys like Jason. Uh, I've got, I do a lot of, I don't know if you know, uh, Brennan from BJJ cops down in Florida. Yeah, we do actually do, I, all the, like his, uh, his artwork for the announcements for his seminars. We do all that work. My, my marketing company creates all those for him. Um, he's actually been supposed to be on a couple of times. He's coming down to South Florida in like April to do a seminar down here with, uh, with, uh, a a local, uh, I forgot his last name, with Freddie who has a, a gym down here. Oh uh, yeah, yep. um, Freddie Trillo. I think Freddie Trillo. Freddie Trillo. So they, okay. they're doing yep. a. They're doing. I think he's coming down to do a seminar at his place, and going to try to get them both in uh, to do a, to do an episode here. Right on. Um, but I forgot my point. But uh, I, I mean, guys like that. You know, again, like I, I see him doing stuff like that. You know, I see mm-hmm. his training. I don't. I don't necessarily see a lot of people kind of again teaching that in the videos that i see online uh right. he actually posted let, let me this is probably a good opportunity to get into this so he actually posted something that said what's the biggest lie in law enforcement i'm not sure yeah. if you, how much of this stuff you see um i think i i might have i think yeah. i did see that post i don't know if it's him or someone else but yeah I, that sounds familiar yeah 
So, so uh, I guess really my question is going to be for you. What, what is, what things can you say now that maybe you couldn't say when you were on the job? <laughs> I mean, are yeah. there things that like, yeah, I'm, I'm talking about that now where I really couldn't talk about that before. Cause I feared admin, I feared, you know, my higher ups, my sergeant, my lieutenant, whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, I always sort of took the stance when I started jujitsu five Oh, that, I was going to be somewhat measured, but I still wasn't really afraid to talk about what was on my mind and my personal opinions about stuff because I, I just, that's kind of how, how I am. That's how a lot of cops are, right? We're pretty direct. We say what we feel. We say what's on our mind. I never affiliated any of Jiu-Jitsu 5.0 with the agency that I worked for. So I wasn't super worried about that. I've talked at length about neck restraints and how I think that taking those away as a tool was a huge disservice and set and set law enforcement control and defense training back way, like way back. Um, I've never had somebody die. I've never heard of anybody dying on the mats in training right. in a competition from a rear naked choke. It could have well, been, and I, I, haven't, can, I haven't heard. I, right? No. And this is a, this is a technique that we're teaching the little kids. They, little kids do this to each other across the country every day. Right. And yeah. now we're saying professional law enforcement officers like, Oh, it, it's too dangerous to teach them how to do it. You know, and I can speak from personal experience when we were still allowed to do it before it was like illegal and it was only reserved for deadly force. We did it all the time. I, I, I lost count how many people I rendered unconscious with a rear naked choke that were trying to fight with us. You'd put them out, you'd put handcuffs on them, you'd sit them up, wake them up, give them some water, no harm, no foul. Never once did we at our agency have an issue with neck restraints. We never had any significant injuries. No one ever died. There was no excessive use of force complaints regarding the the use of a neck restraint. And the same thing cannot be said for taser, can't be said for OC, it can't be said for punching somebody in the face, right? Like those things come with far greater um, potential for injury than, than a neck restraint. And those were the safest tool that we had. So when they took those away from us, it was sort of like, well, what would you like us to do now, right? Are we going back to just beating people into submission? Because that's what untrained cops are going to do. We're just going to punch people in the face, knee strikes, all this stuff that looks terrible on camera is ineffective usually anyway, right? I could, I could um, argue that a rear naked choke is probably the safest thing. One of the safest things that I can do to a resisting, um, in my case, an opponent, right? Yeah. Somebody who's resisting. If I was getting into a fight, um, I, like the, I can go back to like the Gracie's talking about like if I'm getting into a street fight, I'm going to choke you. I, I need to render you unconscious and then go away. I'm not yeah. probably going to do an arm bar and break your arm in a fight because you're still awake. You're still right. able to fight me. You're still able to grab a gun, grab a knife, punch me, yep. bite me. You know, absolutely. It's probably one of the safer moves. I, I know. I think when we had you on, I'm not sure if you remember, we had. Uh, we talked about there was a video that the NYPD put out of like of moves like that you couldn't do, and it was like no chokes, right? Yep. No yep. knee on any part of like of the. There's like the, no the, pressure the on the yeah, on upper no, torso. Yeah. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. The person, like obviously, the people that put that together knew nothing. These yep. are people that know nothing about law enforcement. Bureaucrats. Know nothing about jujitsu. Bureaucrats. Bureaucrats who. We're like, no, 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 let's not do that. Bureaucratic it, bullshit. Wouldn't it be beautiful <laughs> to like get somebody like that on the mat? Not to hurt them, but to be like, come train. Yeah. Again, I've never I'm, seen, I can't cite one. I don't know if you can 
of, of any time I saw a news story or saw somebody get hurt from a joke. I've nope. had my blown out my knee. I've hurt somebody. I've I just pretty much broke somebody's ankle or pretty close to it. He was off the mat yep. for, for a month using a toehold. Look at all the things yep. that happened with, you know, with uh, heel hooks now. And never once has anybody been like, oh, my esophagus got crushed or, you know, he died. Yeah. Where is it? Where is that proof that right. that's an ineffective or an ineffective tool or overdoing it? For, I guess lack of a better term, right? Yep. You know? Well, and there have, you know, obviously there's been like those high profile cases where they, they've called it a choke or a neck restraint, even though we know it wasn't. And unfortunately, you know, there's been some deaths in those situations that probably didn't need to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think had those in any of those high profile incidents, had those cops actually been trained on how to properly apply uh, a neck restraint, we wouldn't yeah. be here. We wouldn't be where we're at right now um, with any of this stuff. These cities wouldn't be burning down. Um it just, yeah. you know, I could go on about that, but training plays a big part in it, obviously. Um, but I also would say, you know, I, I would question even like, you know, you're someone who trains. If you were to get arrested by the police or let's say even in a street fight, right? You get in a fight, someone bigger, stronger than you or, or not bigger and stronger than you. What would you rather have them do to you? Would you rather have them punch you in the face, spray you with OC, tase you, break your arm in a Kimura? or an arm lock of some sort, or get rendered unconscious? Uh, as long as they weren't going to kick me in the face when they, as I you know, became <laughs> unconscious. I mean, it's yeah. the safest, again, I'm agreeing with you, it's the safest thing yeah. that you could probably do, especially in that, in, you know, in your former line of work. It's yeah. like you, you've, you're actually taking out the one thing that we probably need the most. You know, it's yep. like, right? You wouldn't tell me carry a gun, but no bullets. Right. No bullets. You know, that it's yeah. almost like, isn't that the same? It's like, yeah, here's this tool, but don't do the thing that's the most effective part of that tool. Right. Yeah, I, I agree, man. And, you know, going back to your original question about the biggest lie, I don't know if there's like one biggest lie in law enforcement because there's probably a lot of lies in law enforcement. But <laughs> I've got a bunch relates, of them here. I don't know if I'm going to read some of them to you, but let's see yeah. what, you, what you have to well, say. Well, I would say like just going, like staying on brand with what I do for a living and teaching cops jiu-jitsu, like the biggest lie <laughs> in terms of like uh, use of force training is that, you know, what what your agency is giving you, the one day a year of defensive tactics training and then the things that they're teaching you are going to actually work, are gonna do anything for you to control a resisting person. Yeah. Uh, without I, having to do all that extra stuff. I remember, and I, I put it out several times uh, since, uh, since you were on last time, uh, that, that line that you said about the wrestler, that a high school yeah, wrestler yep. gets more training in a week than a police officer does all year. All when year, you really yep. take when you really digest that for a second. That's fucking scary. Crazy. To realize, again, I love my dad, absolutely respect, and my entire life took every opportunity to brag on my dad for being a cop. Um, there was never a time that he had to do any continuing physical education. Yeah. Right. He had to, yep. what, what is it called when you, you have to shoot and uh, every year like you qualifi- have to qualification. qualify, right. For, with your weapon. Yep. Um, that I know he had to do yep. never, ever. And, and I've actually spoken to him about this and I asked him cause I said, dad, I talk about this a lot on the show. Am I right in saying this? Like, yeah, no, there's, he makes his face like, what are you talking about? Like, fucking, 
Yeah. Of course not. No, that, uh, that wasn't. Is there now? Are you kidding me? It didn't exist. There was no continuing physical education for police officers, for the NYPD. Right. Ever. Not while yeah. he was on the job. Uh, you know, again, Jesus, uh, I was 17 when he retired. Um, yep. You know, so he's been retired a long time <laughs> and enjoying the shit out of it. Uh, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just, it was never a thing. And I don't even know right now if there is a continuing edge yeah there might be continuing ed but is there a physical requirement you can't do this or you can't run this uh this you know far in this amount of time you know you're sitting behind a desk we might take your badge away like that i don't yeah. know that that exists right now because i know cops would fight that we'd be hearing about especially nypd they'd be fighting that like tooth and nail but yep. i mean i think what what are your thoughts on that? Like, should that be a thing? Should continuing education and the health of the officer, the weight, uh, his abilities be a factor in his, you know, and whether or not he has a job? I think it depends on what um, what they're assigned to, right? Like, if you're if you're assigned as a long term investigator and there's not a really big potential for you to go and like chase people down and help your partners fight with people. I understand like the lack of standards. I, I think you should still be in shape no matter what, because it's it's just good for your mental health and physical yeah. health and long career. Right. But I think I always talk about it specifically from like a patrol level. Like if you're working patrol, I think there definitely needs to be some type of physical fitness standard, an annual physical fitness standard where you have to test out and do whatever the department decides that that is. And it shouldn't be just like, you got to go sprint 20 yards, you know, and jump over a couple of boxes, like make it realistic, make them actually like, um, have to have to try to pass this thing. So they they're motivated to stay in shape because I think it is a really important aspect of working patrol. So there should be a standard for that. Some States have a lot of check the box training for use of force. So they'll have like standards, but they're, they're a joke, right? It's like, you, you have to train, handcuffing and you have to train how to whack somebody with your baton, but there's no, like, here's the specific things that you should be doing. Um, you know, some States like Minnesota has certain standards, but again, they're very minimal. Um, and most States that do have standards, they're nothing, right? It's, it's not like you need to be able to show that you can do these specific takedowns. You need to be able to show that you can control somebody on the ground. You need to be able to show that, um, you can work in a team of three to get this person under control. Like I just, someone needs to lobby. Maybe it'll be me. I don't know. <laughs> I think jujitsu, jujitsu, I would say like, it's not, it, it, it's not the only answer, right. Mm -hmm. To all of policing's problems, but it's a damn good one. And I think in terms of like use of force, it needs to be at the foundation of all police use of force training. Yes. You can still, tr you know, train strikes, train, uh, you know, weapon retention and all of that stuff is awesome, but jujitsu should be at the foundation because 99% of the time, what we're doing on patrol, when we grab onto someone who doesn't want to go to jail is we're wrestling around with them to try to get them in handcuffs. That's what we're doing. They're not trying to kill us. They're not trying to shoot us in the face, stab us, whatever. Yes. Those things happen too. But like, again, the large majority of the time, it's just, it's a grappling match. Mm -hmm. So we need to know how to grapple. And I think even that training, like jujitsu carries over into those other things, like the weapon retention and how to defend strikes and how to close distance, like all that stuff, as you yeah. know, um, it all comes together. So 
Yeah, dude, the standards, we could go on. We could go on about that for so, a long so time. I do have kind of one more question. Uh, when you're, you made me think of something like right, when we, when we teach kids jujitsu, um, I'll use like, uh, I never trained it. I'm familiar with like the Gracie's Bullyproof program, right? For kids. Uh-huh. And one of the first things they do is they teach them to use their voice. What is that a thing within law enforcement? Okay, like learning how to talk to somebody who's drunk, who's, uh, you know, got mental deficiencies. Uh, and I know I'm probably not using the right words, like, you know, your, you know, industry terms. Uh, yeah. You know, are, are they also teaching people how to handle certain situations with their voice before it gets physical? Like how much of continuing yeah. ed exists in that realm, uh, in that part of, of policing? It's a lot more now. You hear a lot about like de-escalation. Okay. And that's kind of their goal is teach cops how to better talk to people. And I always like, I think that's fine. I think it's great. It's always good to have communication skills because a lot of what we do on the job, I'd say the majority of what we do as uh, on the job is talk to people. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you have any amount of experience on patrol, you know how to either uh, like pimp somebody up and escalate the situation or you know how to calm it down you've because you've developed those skills over time because you've done it so many times and so this de-escalation stuff while i i understand where they're going with it i think that what people lose sight of is that most street cops they already know how to talk to people because they've done it so many times and it's kind of one of those things where you learn by doing you just you gain those skills from having done it for five six 10, 15 years, however long you've been on, you know how to talk to people, right? And so I, that's oftentimes overlooked too. And I, I would argue that any cop that's worked in like a major city and has been to a bunch of calls that maybe they've got a year of experience, they've learned way more communication skills in that year than somebody coming and doing a PowerPoint presentation for eight <laughs> hours on de-escalation, right? Like maybe you'll pick up a couple of points or whatever, but like a lot of that stuff that I've been to, it's like, yeah. Okay. This, this person clearly has never been on a domestic call. They, 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 all this stuff sounds great in theory, but that's in, exactly in why that's, it's not going to work. I said before, like if I think everybody that gets to, to like that black belt stage at some point is like, Hmm, would I own a gym? Would yeah. I, you know? And, and again, if, when I'm thinking out loud about it, I, I if I envision a school one day, I do envision like those, you know, three parts. And one of the things I said is I I wouldn't be the guy teaching the law enforcement part because I've never done it. So it's like, to your point, like I want to hear from a cop that's done it. I don't want to necessarily hear from a psychologist who's talked to a bunch of cops and come up with some type of program, which it sounds like there's a lot of, there might be some of that out there, right? Like somebody speaking to you that doesn't, that's never actually done it. Again, just like oh. I probably wouldn't want to learn my law enforcement jujitsu and how to cuff somebody from somebody who's never actually cuffed somebody. I think Jason say, Jason yeah. said that on the podcast with us, uh, I believe. It's just like these guys, like, you know, teaching stuff and, you know, teaching the 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 classes, the, the you know, the academy, the, the police academy yep. classes, and they haven't done this stuff, you right. know, or they bring in somebody that knows jujitsu but it's never been a cop and is talking about this stuff and training people on this stuff, but they've never been in that situation where they, yep. you're literally 
okay, I'm trying to cuff this guy, but the guy's girlfriend's yelling at me over my shoulder. I don't know right. what she's going to do. Like to really be in that, have been immersed in that situation and understand all of the aspects and everything that's going, having to be aware of everything that's going around you while you and maybe your partner are trying to arrest somebody, put, put the cuffs on somebody. Right. You know? Yeah, I agree. Uh, that credibility and experience goes a long way when you're, when you're teaching especially to cops, because we're probably the most critical people on the planet. Like when somebody comes in for a training, cops are instantly judging that person. Like, yeah. okay, what are, what, what's their experience? Where are they coming from? What, what's their knowledge? So yeah. that's usually like, if I, if I give a class, that's the first thing I, I bring up in my power. Like I'll do like a brief PowerPoint to kind of introduce myself and set the expectations for the class. And that's usually the first thing I'll talk about is like, listen, I, okay. I was a cop for over a decade. I worked in a, in a, in a busy city, like here's my experience, here's my credentials. So we just get that off the table right away. Um, cause I've done it, you know, I've sat through trainings. I'm like, who the fuck is this person telling me how to do my job? Right. And like, if they've never been a cop before, like for most cops sitting in that room there, you're going to lose instant credibility with them. And they're, they're going to shut down and not pay attention to anything else that you have to say. So I think it is very important. And I think that's true for like all topics, right? Like I try to learn how to play the guitar. I'm not real good at it, but I really enjoy doing it. If I go take a lesson, I want, I want to take a lesson from somebody that's been playing the guitar for like 40 years. Right. And that's a good teacher who can talk to me and, and dumb it down and, and, and simplify things. I don't want to talk to the, the kid that, you know, he played in high school band 13 years ago and hasn't touched it since yeah. it, it just, I think it goes a long way, man. And uh, especially in our profession, because you do get a lot of that that goes on where people see the the money symbols, right? There's a lot of money to be made in police training. If, if, if you've got a product and you're good at marketing and you can sell administration on, you know, your Harvard law degree and all this kind of stuff, but you don't really have any experience. Um, I, there's just, there's so much of that that goes on. If, if you were, Let's just say you were you were the chief of police. You were the chief of the, of the department. You were head of a department. What are a couple of things that you know would you would change like day one, as it relates to this kind of stuff? What what are some of the things that you would change immediately? I would hire Jujitsu Five O to come in and teach <laughs> <laughs> all of our use of force. No, I uh, I definitely would adopt. I mean, use of force wise, because that's probably the biggest topic in law enforcement right now. I absolutely would reevaluate like what my agency was doing from that standpoint. And I would make jujitsu the foundation as I talked about, and I would find a trainer to come in that we could, you know, partner with that. That's going to be able to like re kind of redo our program and, and tell us exactly like what we should be training, formulate a plan, help us put that together, help track and trend our use of force statistics and like analyze what are we doing out there on the street? What's working, what's not kind of reevaluate all of those things. So I think that's a big, a big part of it. If I was the chief, I'd also probably like show up more to patrol briefings, get to know guys, show that I care, you know, um, probably do some type of like weekly communications with them, whether that be an email or a voicemail that goes out to everybody just to kind of keep people in the PD updated as to what's going on. I think that goes a long way. Um, I've had some, some chiefs and deputy chiefs that have done that. And I think guys really appreciate that. You know, they like to be in the know about what's going on. How awesome would it be though, to have to be like, go roll with the guys during like oh some, my God. some training. Imagine like your that. boss all, is like, is on the yeah. mat rolling with you because he's a black belt. Like how fucking amazing would that be? 
there's a mm-hmm. chief. Uh, I don't remember what agency he works for. I'm pretty sure he's a, a, a Texas chief at, for a Texas agency. He's a blue belt. He might be a purple belt now, but I met him in Austin. Chief yeah. of police, blue belt, trains consistently, obviously huge proponent of jujitsu. And like he rolls with his guys and stuff. I thought that was so cool, man. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, yeah. I'd make a mandatory jujitsu class. I think yeah. that'd be the other thing. Like, <laughs> do you think that is there a place? Is there a scenario where training could happen while you were on the job? And, and I'll say, I follow somebody very specifically down here in South Florida. That's part of the, the, the Broward. I think it's like Broward SWAT. Right. And all I see them doing is like weight training and shooting, weight training and shooting, weight training. Like, yep. and, from my understanding, they're doing this while they're on the job. This is part of their job to go in and be physically fit to lift and to, you know, constantly be training these, these scenarios where they would, where they would be needed. Is there a, a, a time that you see that actually happening while you're on the, I go to work, I work out or I go, you know, I go to work, I do the job after six hours, seven hours, I'm going to train. I'm still on the clock and then I go home. Is that yeah. something that would ever happen? Do you think that? Yeah, that- it's actually not so much with the jujitsu side of things, but there's definitely a push for a lot of agencies right now to have like a workout on duty program. Cause yeah. I think a lot of agencies are starting to see the benefit and letting guys come off the street for an hour, take their gear off, get a workout in, clear their head, then go back to work. And if you work long shifts like we did, we worked 12 hour shifts. And so by the end of that, you just wanted to go home. You didn't have time to go work out. You had family obligations, whatever. And that's a really long day. So to give your guys and gals the opportunity to work out while they're at work, I think is huge. And you're definitely starting to see more of that, which is great. Um, Some people elect to lift weights during that time. We also, we did a monthly shoot. So at my agency, we would shoot once a month and we would do that on duty. We just drive over to the range you know, do the, whatever drills and stuff that the instructors had put together. That was really helpful, but I definitely think you could do something like that for grappling, right? Like maybe, yeah, you can lift weights on duty, but maybe there's also like an ongoing, a weekly jujitsu class. Um, and we train these specific things. I know one of the agencies that I partner with here, um, in Minnesota that hired me for their use of force stuff, they kind of have a similar thing where it's workout on duty. They built out a mat room in their workout area. So those guys, especially their instructors, they'll take that workout on duty time to go down there and like, they'll pull up my app, they'll watch technique videos and they'll like, they'll drill that stuff. And so that's starting to happen more and more. And I think it, it, it's going to be probably a a more widely adopted thing across the country because there's just so many benefits. Like I said, allowing people to work out while they're on the clock. Tell us a little bit more about the app. I know after we had you on last time, I think maybe within a few months you had, you had just launched. How's that going? Tell, tell, tell the listeners about that. That's right. I think it was pretty new when I was on. Um, it's been, it's been great, man. I, it's available for both, uh, Apple and Android. Um, I have, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback. It's really highly rated in the app store. If you go check it out, I think the I got like one bad review and the guy thought it was too expensive. So whatever. Okay, uh, I'll take that over. This guy's right. jujitsu shit. Yeah. No, but it's, I think people are really starting to see the value in it. I do. I pour a lot of time and effort into it. I want to make it the premier jujitsu training tool. So whether you're a cop or you just want to learn self-defense related jujitsu, it's a great app 
for you. It's a great supplement to what you're doing on the mats. It's not supposed to replace, you know, physical training, Mm -hmm. but literally, I mean, I've, there's categories of techniques where pretty much any position that you can think of that you might find yourself in, in a fight, I have an answer for it. And there's a technique video. I intentionally keep them very short, sweet to the point. So you don't have to watch me talk to you for 10 minutes to explain one technique. Every technique video I think is under two minutes long. Um, but in addition to all the techniques and stuff that you can learn, if you're uh, a subscriber, you also get monthly nutrition plans. So I put a new nutrition plan in there every month that has recipes, uh, meal prep, shopping lists. So there's that. There's mobility videos, tons of yoga, a bunch of different workouts. I'm actually hiring one of my former partners who's a strength and conditioning coach who's been a cop for 14 years. He's going to be my my strength and conditioning coach. So if you are a subscriber to the app, you're now also going to have a lot of new workouts that he's creating. And he's also going to be there for you if you want personal training. So let's say you have like, you really want to get better at this thing. I want to get stronger in my shoulders. I want to rehab this, whatever you'll be able to reach out to us in the app and we'll put together a custom plan for you all as part of your monthly subscription fee. So the coaching aspect of it is there too. Um, you know, if I have members that will reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm having trouble finishing this Kimura arm lock. What can I do? I'll create a custom video for them. I'll talk directly to them. Um, I'm available to them 24 seven. So it goes beyond just like, Hey, here's a, an app that has a bunch of techniques in it. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to make myself available, um, as a coach and, and really be able to like use my services, uh, as, as part of your app subscription. So I, I, yeah, I, I, I like the, the aspect I do this myself is like, I get caught with something at the gym or I'm having a problem with something. I'm not going to equate what I'm going through to what, you know, a cop on the job and he just had something happen to him. But for me, I'll, if I'm having a problem with something that I'm getting on the computer, I'm getting on YouTube and I'm finding like, why am I, what's the, if I can't talk to my coach, if he's not helping me with it, but maybe I'm looking and going, I mean, so that's like a great resource if a cop, like you, you went through something or you saw something happen and you're like, how would I have handled that? Like, that's good to have that, that resource. And again, coming from, you know, uh, somebody who was a law enforcement officer, I think is, is key. You know, there, there's, yeah, com- and, there's know, comfort in that for another officer to be like, yeah, I'm not just learning it from, you know, a Danaher video, no disrespect to John Danaher, right? Like, right. I'm not learning it from that. I'm learning it from somebody who knows how to actually do this or has done it. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've been there before, right? Yeah, like, no. yeah, exactly. And that's, that's exactly what I was trying to build with it. So, and I probably am going to start putting out more just like, jujitsu related stuff here in the future, because I think there's a a market and a need for that. Like guys that just want to learn, you know, some, some fundamental jujitsu that maybe isn't necessarily street related. Um, but you know, a lot of the stuff that we train and teach has value and can carry over into the street. So we're looking to build out, um, lots more content. There's already a ton of content in the app, but in, in 2023, there's going to be even more, any instructionals that we've put together or future instructionals that we're going to create, those are all going to be available to you in the app. So you can get them on demand without having to, you know, buy them as like a separate product. Um, so yeah, I highly encourage, uh, anyone listening that is looking to supplement their training, go check out the app, download it. You can try it free for seven days. I think you'll really like it. Hit me up directly with questions. If you have any, you know, questions on it, I'm happy to help you out. Cool. I, I have a one last question for you. We had a listener question. So uh, this is from Steve Torres. He says, uh, Jason, do you think body cams help police officers 
and has it helped increase awareness for BJJ to actually be taught to LEOs around the country? Yeah, you know, I uh, I like body cameras. Did you I, have to? I, did you wear one? Yep, we okay. did. Um, we had them for quite a while. We were sort of, I think our agency was kind of an early adopter of body cams. So we had them for, for a while. There's, there's pros and cons with them, right? Um, I think that if you hate the police, no matter what the body camera shows, people are going to find a way to, to misconstrue the mm-hmm. situation and say, oh, well, even if it's on video, clear as day, they're going to say, well, that didn't happen, right? Um, but I do think it's kind of shed a new light on some of these situations where people can watch a video and say, oh, man, I didn't realize that cops had to deal with shit like that. I didn't realize that that stuff actually happened. Um, they also, they are a pain in the ass when you're fighting with people. They fall off all the time. And people don't want to believe that, especially, again, if you're kind of in that camp where people like, oh, don't I, like oh, the police. Of course it goes off right of as course, he yeah, shoots of course or it does this off. thing. <laughs> We got in a quick story, like uh, my partner got in a foot chase with this crack dealer one day. He's he's calling it out on the radio and I wasn't too far away. So I, I fly over to help him out and I watch as the crack dealer is running across this busy intersection. He gets smoked by a car. The car keeps driving. So now it's Smoke, a hit and run he got accident. Hit? He got hit by a car. He, hit by a car. <laughs> he was a bigger dude. And so uh, it Wham. didn't even really phase him. It kind of knocked him over, but it slowed him down enough for us to catch him. Oh, but then <laughs> as we're like, as we're dealing with that, so that car takes off. Now we have this hit and run. Another car comes and he runs over my partner's body camera that had fell off in the middle of the street during the chase. Oh, man. And the thing exploded and started on fire in the middle of the street because of the battery or whatever. Wow. Like the pressure of the tire that when it mm-hmm. ran it over, it started on fire. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting. And you hear those stories a lot about like these things that happen with the cameras. Um, it just, they, they do fall off a lot. We finally had good mounts that we invested in where it was a lot harder for them to follow. But a lot of these agencies that have them, they just clip onto your shirt or whatever. And if you, as soon as you grab onto somebody, that thing's flying off. And the other thing is, is like, people don't want to believe that cops forget to turn it on, but oh my God, in the heat of the moment, you roll up on some domestic or some crazy thing. And like, that's not the first thing that you're thinking of all the time, right? Like a lot of times you just jump out of your car and you're going to deal with this and then so now it's not, I, I think most of us in the public would have thought like it's on all the time. Like, oh, I didn't know he had to like press a button. Yeah. Now some I mean, of the newer technologies really about that, you know? Yeah. Some of the newer technologies and stuff will activate. Like if you hit your lights on your, uh, your light bar in your squad, it'll activate your body camera. There are some agencies that probably have a policy where it's on all the time, unless you're going to the bathroom or whatever. I think there's issues with that too, but you know, um, I, like I said, there's pros and cons to it. I, I, in general, I think they're a good tool. They're a good idea to have. I think they're only going to get more advanced. I've seen shit. Like there was a video, a company made like a drone. So if you make a traffic stop, this drone like flies out of your trunk and captures the entire traffic stop from like a 360 view, which I thought was interesting. Are so, we there? Are we there? And that like I'm, nationwide for that? Is that? I'm kind of curious, like man. That. I'm. I'd like to see where like technology has always fascinated me, yeah. and especially as it relates to policing, I just like want to see where some of this stuff goes. Not on purpose. I just watched the new RoboCop over the last two days. I I started it and then I nice. I finished it yesterday. So when you say drone, I'm like. Oh shit! Yeah. Like, are we there? And I isn't there like a department out in California that has like these little robot kind of like 
Like they think they look like a big bucket, kind of like an upside down garbage can, like roaming around. Do you, do you know anything about that? I don't think that's politically correct to say about robots. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, we lost all our robot listeners. <laughs> yep, they're gone. We are gone or out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't uh I don't know about those ones specifically, but I do know that like agencies have been using robots and drones for several years, right? Like to do tracks and stuff. You can send a drone up if someone's hiding out in the woods, you can okay. send that thing up to go find them. They have those little throw bots, like our, our SWAT team would use those where you could basically chuck it through a window and it would land and then you could control it and it would really you know okay. give you video video stream of what's I, inside. I can remember back in like for a very long time for decades like right like bomb squads had like a robot that would go you know check for a bomb or something like that so i yeah. mean if you really start to think back you go oh wait we've been doing this for a while it's just like yeah. how we've been using them now you're talking about more like surveillance style yep. you know robots and drones i mean they but, can like we had one our swat team had another one that would uh like drive up to the car, it would break the window if needed. It could drag a human being if needed. So you could like hang on to the thing and it would drag you across the floor. It was, yeah. I'm sure the thing cost $200,000, <laughs> oh, yeah. you right. know? Yeah. But I think that's always, yeah. uh, that's always uh, a cons- money. The money's a consideration. Do right. we train guys? Uh, do we let guys train jujitsu on the job? They get hurt. And now right there, you got to pay them for uh, maybe uh, what's the wording here, Jason? Like, uh, they can like work, retire. Comp, work comp. Yeah. Uh, workers comp or like, right. Yep. They could retire with injury. Right. Like, you know, that would always come up in the, in the, cause I was on our, uh, on our committee for workout on duty to try to get it passed through, uh, you know, city council and everything. Yeah. And that was always their biggest question is what happens if somebody, you know, goes and does 500 pound back squats and blows their knee. Right. Um, and that's just sort of something that they had kind of had to accept as a risk as part of it. It's an inherently dangerous job in and of itself. I mean, but we argued that if cops are in better shape, you're actually going to, they're going to be less likely to get injured. Right. And if they're grappling, they're going to be less likely to get into these crazy use of force incidents and escalate the situation, kneeing people in the face. Um, Risk management. So I think it just, at the end of the day, it all, it, it, it's, there's more positives than there are negatives to it. It's mediating risk. I mean, that's right. Yeah. yeah, you know, you're going to wind up getting sued by somebody because somebody did something stupid and no, had to shoot that somebody. Well, but- <laughs> all right, I'm saying like, right, I think one offset, not necessarily offsets, but I'd rather have cops that are trained to subdue somebody or arrest somebody safely and yep. risk that one guy who's going to game the system like, oh, my back hurts from lifting weights, um, you know, workers' comp. Uh, yep. I, you know, I think that's going to happen a lot less than you know, shit getting, you know, $20, $30 million lawsuit because somebody didn't know what they were doing and did something stupid, you know? Yeah, I, I don't 100%. Know. I, th- I don't know. So, right, listen, Jason, we've been uh, been on for about an hour and 40, so I'm going to let you go. I appreciate nice. you so much for doing this. Um, yeah. Do you want to, you know, uh, any shout outs? Tell us what, where we can find you, you know, give out your handle uh, for the, for Jiu-Jitsu 5 and, uh, and, uh, yeah, and, you know, and, and now's and your time. Now sit straight. So that yeah. we can get that name. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put your, you, uh, you know, we'll put the information go. on the bottom of the screen uh, as you're adjust as you're my beanbag. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man, I'm kind of all over the place. You can really find me anywhere: uh, social media, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, uh, TikTok. I so broke down. So it's Jujitsu Five Dash and the letter O. Uh, yeah, Jujitsu F I V E underscore o underscore 
Letter yep, O, underscore not, o. Yep. not a zero. Yep. Oh, okay. So That's you can find me on Instagram. Underscore o. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Find me on Instagram, TikTok. I, I broke down and finally created a stupid TikTok account a while back. I knew I had to do I it. Yeah, I think I tagged you on a, on a video or two of some of, I think, way back when uh, I said, like, I've put out that video a, a few times about uh, uh, the wrestler and, uh, yeah. and some of the other stuff. I, I put them out as clips. We've got a guy doing actually, it for us now, so we'll put some, we'll cut some good stuff from this one as well. I just like the hater comments on TikTok. I think that's why I'm on it now is just to see all the hater comments. It makes my day. Yeah, uh, thank you to all the haters because they're helping with the algorithm and helping you get found oh, yeah. more. Uh, Love it. I'm, a, I, I'm more of a, I, we don't get a lot of hate and we're also like, we're putting out segments, excuse me, from the show. So the only thing that I think ever gets any negative comments and it's just like male chauvinists that decide to post like when a girl is talking about like um, we had like uh, Emily Kwok was on and like people will say stuff, you know, like if they're talking about jujitsu as it relates to women, there's always some asshole who's got to be like, well, aren't you you, for equal rights? We had Lydia Coleman that was talking about like, yeah, dude, if you're 250 pounds and I'm 160, you know, don't fucking smash me. I want to learn. You know, I want to train too. You smashing right. me. Who who's does that that help? Like, let's practice jujitsu. Going back to what you said before, like, are you trying to win practice? Like, yeah. <laughs> the only negative kind, of, like, our assholes come out of the woodwork on on ones like that, and it'd be like yep. equal rights. You know, like, well, if you go hard, I'm gonna smash you. Like, you're not getting it. You're 250 right. pounds to her 160. Yeah, there's technique involved, but you're also this is your training partner. Right. If you break your partner, you don't have anybody to train with, so you figure it out. You give up position, maybe catch and release, pull guard on somebody smaller. I mean, that's what I do. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm usually one of the bigger guy. For the most part, for a, a lot of my journey, I've been the bigger guy at, you know, 240, 240 plus. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, if I'm just taking down and getting on top of everybody, I'm not really learning they're right. not really learning, and it's just like yep. they get frustrated. And I'm somebody who recognizes the business side of a gym. Hey, you want them yeah. to come back? If I'm smashing your guy on a trial week, you know, it's like I don't exactly. have a new training partner, and you don't have a new student. So, like, you yep. know, maybe it took me a took me maybe till Brown to get that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to really no, it's understand a, that. <laughs> you're spot on, man. It, it's important. You don't want to be heel hooking the yeah. free trial class guy. Yeah. You want but to sign up. I love those comments. And, and I like sometimes I answer some, uh, what, what I've started to do, and I and I feel like when I post, it should always just be like a given. If you're going to comment on anything that we post, I've been asking like, what's your belt rank and how long have you been training? And a lot of people, oh they God. don't, nobody yes. answers that. They just don't answer yes. it. Because I yes. would have to believe that somebody who's saying something about equal rights and smashing, like really hasn't had a lot of jujitsu training or at least had experience with training with like with females and people that are heavier and lighter. Cause you probably, yep. I think jujitsu like weeds out those assholes for the most part. So the guys that are making those comments are usually like, yeah, I'm a blue belt. I'm a white belt, you know? Right. Um, I just don't think like there were black belts out there going, yeah, I smash all the women in my school, like equal rights. Like I no. just don't think that happens. There's <laughs> a lot. Oh my God. There's so many idiots out there, you know, and they, they show themselves. And to your point, like if you ask them, What's your, what's your experience? Kind of going back to what we were talking about before, like credentials and credibility and all that, like it goes a long way. Mm. And when I ask those things in the comments, I'm not trying to be a dick. I like legitimately want to know, like, are you somebody that how many years of experience as a cop do you have? What's your instructor experience? Yeah. What, what's your training background? Like, what are you training? And 
I don't think ever has anyone been like, oh yeah, I'm a brown belt in jujitsu and I'm in, I've been a cop for 15 years and I'm one of our head instructors. That never happens. It's always yeah. like either radio silence or they'll say, you know, well, I've, I've trained in BJJ my whole life. Well, that didn't, you didn't answer my question, yeah. right? Like, and I'll also tell people like if they're hating on any technique video that we put out, I'll say, you know, send me a technique video that you create. So put yourself out there, show us how it's done, I guess. We'll repost it for all of our followers to see. And like, let's see what happens. You know, we love to learn. Do show us what you Do you catch a lot of, I mean, maybe they're not following you to begin with, but do you catch just a lot of like anti-police officer hate? Like, are they not in as there? much as I, yeah, you know, not as much as I thought I would when I started my page. I yeah. thought that was going to be like, I've got, you know, I've had a few death threats and things like that, but whatever. Um, it, but yeah, it's not a lot, but there's more, it's more like, uh, and it's not even a lot of hate. It's mostly on TikTok. Instagram is a very positive environment. I feel like people yeah. are willing to like talk and share ideas. Yeah. TikTok, I think you get a lot of probably kids that are 15 years old that, user number 16505 yeah, right <laughs> that would never work in this in that scenario i love when, two, when there are two uh two followers going at yeah. it like that and yep. either one is like okay like what's your real name user you know 20 numbers you know a, i think those <laughs> or, are bots. i love the, i love those i, I love those, those when they start going back and forth or when somebody else is like is defending the video or whatever and i don't have to get in there because right. I, I know like answering it's a good thing sometimes, but it's so much work to start getting into conversations with people. Like, you, yeah. again, I, you know, especially when you start, you, your, your numbers start going up, there's just too, you, you can't possibly answer everybody no. or just get into it. I, uh, yep. um, McDojo Life, Rob yeah. from McDojo Life has a great way He's of doing best. it. Anything comments like, I don't know if it's a robot doing it. I doubt it. I think it's really him. It'd be like, yeah. thanks, homie. Like that's yeah. what he, 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 thanks homie. So like yeah. sometimes I'll see some like, but he put it like, he doesn't, he doesn't always engage unless it's like, okay, I really need to defend this position, you know, yep. but he'll, he's always like, thanks homie. <laughs> yeah. So that's how he well, like, that's all you, you know, can do. Yeah. You're not going to change yeah. anyone's mind. Right. It's like, I treat social media like I do if I'm drinking with a group of people, a group of friends, I don't talk about politics and I don't talk about religion. And I don't I definitely don't try to change anyone's mind on a topic. I'm putting yeah. my stuff out there. If yeah. you want to rock with it, cool. If you disagree with it, you want to make a comment, that's cool too. But I'm probably not going to respond unless you like actually ask a legitimate question like about the technique or yeah. if you have some type of constructive criticism. I'm always down for that. But like these random comments about, well, that would never work because he would just bite you or he would just punch you with his other hand. Like, okay, I can tell you've never trained a day in your life. Like, this yeah. not even worth responding to. By the way, that was one of my like original, it was my own rule when I used to, I, I, I might've said it with you uh, back in the day when we used to get somebody on. Like now I, if I don't know the, the guest, I do a, like a pre-call earlier in the week. Like I do like a pre-production call, a uh, pre-interview. And yep. um, I'll always say, I say, this is my personal rule for me. Yeah. No politics, no religion. They're too yep. divisive and it's, has nothing to do with my jujitsu, right? So right. I'm usually going to stay out of that every yeah. once in a while. If yeah, one of us on the show makes a comment, but makes I'm just like, no, no, wait, 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 wait. cause I just think it's super divisive and it just, it gets you yep. nowhere. It gets I, shit. I hundred percent. I, we, my family has that rule. <laughs> when we get it's together, a good rule. the women, the women go, 
that's it. No, 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 no politics, yeah. no religion. There aren't yep. two of us in my family that have the same political views or religious religious reviews uh, or uh, yep. views. So it's yeah. like the women are just like, no, stop it, stop. And they just, yeah. mom, sister, like everybody's just like, that's it. Don't do it. It happens so. between me and my wife. Like we, we have a lot of different views when it comes to that stuff. And like I... The, the the conversation would come up. I'm like, nope. But just yeah. Let's be done. <laughs> I always wonder nah. like that. Me and my wife think a lot alike, so that's good. Like in those areas, but yeah. I wonder like how hard is that when like no like my my sister and her husband have com- completely different political and religious views. He okay. goes to church on Sundays. She goes on Christmas and Easter. <laughs> you know, like yeah, like nice. that kind of stuff. Like I'm gonna go to go with the family, but. Um, that's funny politically like their views are different and his they've evolved um so like he's changed over the years as he's gotten older become more conservative and yeah. but their 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 views are not even close <laughs> like, how do you do yep. that how to when it comes up isn't it like you can't just always say no no, no let's not talk about it. like conversation is going to going to come up sometimes yep. right like you're gonna yeah. have, i'm sure you have talked about it we do, yeah, <laughs> you know? we do. But yeah, it, in that in the household, it's probably a little bit different. If I'm with a group of friends and like they really want to press me on it or something, like there's a comedian. It might have been Louis C.K. or one of them, but I think he was saying like, I just agree with them. Like, oh no, I'm on I'm on your side now. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> you when know? they try to convince you. Oh, yeah. you got me. I, I'm yeah, in. <laughs> you got. I, you changed my mind. I agree with you. That's and a smart way to really do it. argue with that. Right? That's what I'm going to do to you, both from now on. <laughs> <laughs> You do well. No, you do the opposite, but you do exactly what you said before—that you just kind of shut it off right away yeah, as soon as the conversation. No, I don't, talks, you know, you're like, no, no. We're probably no. not going to. Well, we have we have good talks off camera, you don't like so the debate. we, you know, That's we'll talk about yeah. that. But once once the mics are on, it's just like. Let's keep it about jujitsu, and I mean, this yeah. is even like this is this you know we're talking about. Well, that's because uh, I'm extremely like, opinionated. Put it this way: like we <laughs> we had done, I, I think it was before we had you on, after the George Floyd incident. Um, we did an episode and it's titled neon neck done correctly. And it was, we didn't talk about that so Mm -hmm. much about that of the incident. I, we talked about again, kind of going into the choke. Like it was a little bit more about like, wait a minute. That wasn't like, if you were trained in jujitsu, I used to do neon neck all the time, Mm -hmm. but I knew that I could also just put it on their jawline and hold somebody down. So that yep. was kind of like it. That was my version of that neon neck done correctly. Meaning, when I'm doing my jujitsu or I need to just hold somebody down, I don't have to literally have my knee on their neck until they pass out. If right. I want to have them in a controlled position, I would just move it on their jawline so that I'm really it's more I'm like it's a neon face. And yeah. we talked about that. So it was like that. I was just like, oh god, I, I maybe shouldn't have named it this because like it was like what am I doing? But it was well received. And people got it. Like we quickly talked about like, this is how we would do it in jujitsu. And because I trained jujitsu, I know to do it this way versus putting, literally putting my knee on somebody's neck or, you know, I don't know. And it's not for, yeah, eight and a half, nine minutes or whatever. Right. Like there's a huge difference about all that stuff. Yeah. I remember real quick, uh, the neon thing, there was a technique I used to do back in the day. I called it neon head. Like if someone was being uncooperative and they had their arms under their body, if you drove your knee into the side of their ear, and you could be as mean or as uh, nice with it as you wanted to based on their level of compliance. Mm-hmm. It was a huge pain compliance tool 
but you controlled their whole body and it worked 100% of the time. As soon as you put the pressure on the, on the ear, it, they would give you their hands you get them in cuffs and it was over. Right. And like, but you can't, you can't do that now. It's again, it's one of those things that like the perceived, uh, value of it is going to get blown way out of proportion because people don't really understand what's happening. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. But that's about the extent of the politics that I will talk typically is like if it has to do with things like laws that were made that affect policing, especially from like the use of force standpoint, I'll always talk about that stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe right. it'll turn around. We'll see. We'll we'll save some of that for the next one. So yeah, listen again. I appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, man. You know, you're always welcome. Like you know, keep us. Uh, you know, keep Appreciate it. Well, I, I was surprised when you told me, I, I put out the post like Jason, you know, law enforcement officer coming back on the show. And you're like, uh, no, I'm a former. <laughs> I didn't even know. I don't, I don't know that you, I, I watch your stuff, but I don't know that I've ever heard yeah. you say like, I retired, you know? No, it, Had you put it's it all out good, there? man. I, uh, I just like, I, I, I talk about it. It's just that a lot of times, you know, um, you know, someone like that I haven't talked to for a while or whatever, maybe, you know, miss some of that stuff. And I think there's still a lot of people that think I'm still doing it full time, but yeah, uh, which is fine. That, that no big deal. Um, Listen, glad, I'm, I'm super glad to see that it's working out for you again. Uh, I left my job a year ago. <laughs> so uh, yeah. to, to work for myself and I mean, I'm doing, I'm in the same field that I was before. Uh, a big part of that was the podcast was working out. We went to four episodes uh, a month uh, and I wanted more time. So yep. I did that, opened my marketing company and then funny again, the marketing company took off. So I'm still like in the marketing field more uh, than I'd like to be. I'd really like to be, you know, figuring this side of things out a little bit more, but uh, it's, I, I'm, we're happy. We're happy where it's yeah. gone. And I think, yeah, when you were on last time, I think you know, we were just doing two a month and uh, okay. now we do, now we do the four. And again, now I like happy to see somebody when they leave a job to do something like this, especially in our yeah. world. It's like uh it's nice to see, you know? Yeah, man. No, I, I agree. And I'm, I'm happy that you were able to do it too. It's uh, it's nice to have the freedom and flexibility to kind of do what you want to do and accomplish some of the things that, you know, you want to do. And I, yeah. to your point, you're, you're over 40. You said you're almost 50, right? Yeah. I think there's a lot to that too. As you get older, you start to realize like, shit, I, if I'm lucky, I get to live this life one more time. And I felt like that when I turned 40. Yeah. Right. And so it was sort of like, what do I want to do with it? Do I want to keep doing the shit that's making me unhappy or do I want to just like change? I, I feel like you kind of like we all have to maybe go through that shit. Like yeah. you, your life experience, I'm sure experiences obviously with what you're doing are informing the business. Those experiences of, uh, of successes and failures. I know for me, the ups and downs have uh, made me a smarter person. I, I owned a marketing company before and I had to, close it and go to go with somebody else because of just some of the mistakes we made, not with client work, but just with running the business. And it was just like, yeah, we're not making enough money. We can't handle like 10 salaries. Like we got to, Hey, there's this company over here that'll take us, take our book. And I wound up making way more money with that company and really learning a lot of the secrets of the marketing world, like the things that I should have been doing. And now I'm doing it again with the six years of that now eight years on my own and the six years of, of doing it with somebody else go like now I really know how to do it. So again, to the point, the, the point is that like, you know, all those bad things that happened or all that hard work or all that frustration and those, you know, fights with the wife and all that, like, <laughs> you know, you're using that knowledge and it's making you a, a better person and a better business owner and coach. 
you know, yeah, so it's, uh, absolutely, man. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you, I think you nailed it. And I think too, when you put in the work, it, it, uh, it will work out in the end, you know? So I don't know if anyone's I, listening to this and they're like, I'm feeling stuck. I think if you just, you put in the work, you learn things along the way and it will help guide your decisions. And, uh, it, it all works out in and, the and end. Look, it, I know how hard was it for you? Like you were doing, you, you had a full-time job and this was the side gig. This was the yeah. side hustle. Yep. Again, the, yep. the, the podcast for me was the side hustle that worked out. Like, oh, wow, right. people, sponsors actually are giving us money to do this and covering our right. bills and the marketing expenses. And we're actually taking away a little bit for ourselves. Yep. I, I was like, okay, this is like, right. So again, it was the side hustle. I don't tell anybody like, yeah, quit your job tomorrow and then follow your dreams. I'm like, <laughs> follow your dreams while you're working, like figure yeah. it out, get it started while you're doing that full-time job that you hate and yep. get it built, get it running. It's going to be hard. You're going to have a couple of years of like late nights and tired and four hours of sleep going to the next job, but <laughs> get yourself set, you know, put yourself in a, in a good place. That's what I did. I had the yep. side hustle and then I was just like, Oh, okay. I can go out, open this small marketing company, but then, you know, do, do this, you know, start, keep on working on the side hustle. So it's kind of right. still, the podcast is still kind of that side hustle, but to my main hustle, which is the marketing company that I own. So much better than working for somebody else, man. And oh, I hate, I had, there were two owners of the company that I work for. I loved one of them and one of them was a complete asshole. <laughs> so I, re, it was like hard to, to, to like square that circle. Like I wanted out of there so bad watching this guy post about his cars and like his trips that he's going on. Meanwhile, he's like coming on to sales meetings, yelling at people like, get on the fucking phone. If you don't like it here, get the fuck out. And then he's half day driving his convertible, watching the sunset, like, you know, like posting these yeah. pictures. And I'm like, I'm fucking make this, giving this guy this life. And that was a hard pill to swallow after a while. And I just said, I'm fucking out of here, you know, but again, yeah, luckily man. the side hustle was going. So, all right, we yeah. can keep on talking all night, Jason. Thank you very much. I think I told you before, don't hang up. We're going to come take some pictures, but thank you so much for doing this again. Appreciate you, man. I appreciate it, man. Thank take you care, for brother. Jiu-Jitsu's favorite monthly subscription box has now joined the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. The BJJ box is delivered to your door filled with premium jiu-jitsu and grappling apparel, equipment, supplements, supplies, snacks, and more. The crew at the BJJ box find the best in the world of jiu-jitsu and guarantee every box to be worth more than the cost. Each box includes four to seven items you're going to love. Visit thebjjbox.com and use code JJD10 to get $10 off your very first box. And give them a follow on Instagram at TheBJJBox. Neutral Zone is combat family owned, so they know you need to keep yourself and your equipment clean. They created Neutral Zone clean wipes and sprays for just that purpose. Neutral Zone products are formulated to reduce the risk of bacterial and fungal infections. Whatever's making you sweat, weight training, rolling on the mats, yard work, or just working around the house, Neutral Zone clean wipes and sprays can make you feel and smell refreshed. Use code JJD to get 15% off your online order at NeutralZoneClean.com. While you're there, sign up for their newsletter to receive the latest info and updates on product launches like their new shower gel and soap bar coming soon. Are you Neutral Zone clean? Special thank you to the crew over at Flow and Roll for all their support. Flow and Roll is renowned for their incredible Nogi rash guards, shorts, and leggings. Flow and Roll has quickly become the premier custom apparel provider for academies big and small throughout the United States. Reach out today to discuss your custom order and ask about their incredible pre-order program. 
You can send an email to flowenroll at gmail.com or visit their Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll and shoot them a direct message. And yes, they can create an awesome custom gi for your academy as well. Visit flowenroll.com to check out their awesome designs and while you're there, pick up a jujitsu dummy signature tee exclusively at flowenroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or gis with code JJD. All right. Thank you, Jason. We appreciate you for coming on. What do you think, Bo? Very cool guy, man. Right. And very, I, I love what, what he talked about. He uh, went through a lot of really good issues. Yeah. Like really relevant shit. I, uh, I knew I definitely, you know, follow him since he's been on the show, since before he was on the show the first time. And I follow him too. I, yeah. By the way, so you know. He, um, as soon as I saw that he got his black belt, I'm like, oh, you know, I definitely wanted wanted yeah. to come on. I was just telling you outside. Well, it's been a long time, I, though. I mean, he's been, he was I, on two years like in ago. The, in the 40s, right? The 30s or the 40s? Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. Literally. Uh, I always envisioned when we were doing the podcast that we would we would have, you know, it wasn't like one and done. It was just like, have yeah. like a friend of the show, you know, somebody that can come on and talk to us and there be almost an evolving conversation like from sure. the first conversation right sure. like it evolves and like hey what what's going on with this now like we did there so uh so yeah jason thank you very much for coming on uh very much appreciate you um hopefully uh you know oh and, hopefully and congrats Miguel will be back on your next retirement week. <laughs> congrats, what's that? congrats on your retirement because that's a big thing on his, mine or his no his, his. <laughs> well yours too but <laughs> but on his retirement because that's a big thing you know, to make that decision, to make that leap. And I wish him all the best, man, because he's doing really well with, with how he's presenting Jiu-Jitsu 5 you know? Yeah. Um, great so, logo. Yeah. Great um, great name, right? Like, there's got to be somebody out there that's kicking themselves. Sure. That they're like, oh, man, Jiu-Jitsu 5 Like, why didn't I think of that? Like, great name, great yeah. logo, thought put into it. Yeah. I told you before, like, it took me. I I didn't notice the five O in the logo the yeah. first time. I think when I was interviewing, I'm like, oh, there's a five O in the middle of the logo. I didn't notice that. Uh, um, great great presentation of, of his of his information. He's, he's kind of walking the walk that they talk about. You know, you know, you yeah. Do something. His stuff is fun to you, watch too, you've man. Been, you've been the guy. Yeah. You know, you learn the stuff, and now you're you're teaching it. We so. always talk about. I know that I like to learn in like little pieces like he was saying that i think no uh, none of his uh the videos on his app are more than two minutes i think is what he said right like i like to learn in those little pieces that's that's how i like to consume my jujitsu it's I, i'm not big on the full instructionals i've always talked about the jason scully stuff like 40 you know leg locks in five minutes like that kind of stuff right i like that because i like going oh pick that thing out i'm always in that position oh that's what i do there or what i can do there and let me like work that into my jujitsu. Right. Like right now, I'm very specifically working on uh, toe holds and just like entries into like knee bars. Like very specifically, like I'm watching videos for just that and like bringing it into the gym with me. Uh, so, so anyway, let's uh, uh, shout out to Miguel. We miss you today, Hi, bud. Uh, hopefully, he's feeling Hope better. Feel he's better. not sick from the one chip challenge. <laughs> he's not, not sick. Still, he's not. He's still not sick. still sick from the one chip. Maybe chip it's challenge. some sort of genetic modification um, that occurred after yeah. he ate that, and he's now becoming a different creature. Did he have like a he's a cold or something? 
I, yeah, I think he said strep throat on WhatsApp. That's yeah. right. He did say strep throat. So I, I hope he's feeling better. I know he sent a picture of himself eating some soup and he's like, hey, what's <laughs> some soup on, at a restaurant. Man. I can't so, make uh, it we miss you, Miguel. Uh, hopefully, you'll be back for the next episode. Uh, everybody, you could check us out at Jujitsu Dummies for all the ways to watch, listen, and support. Uh, I'm Uncle Milty BJJ on Instagram. Bo? At Bad Works, B A D W E R K S. Easy for you to say. Say it no, again. It's a new mouth. It's a new mouth. Literally. Literally. For, we'll, 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 when you get your teeth, we'll tell everybody. Those, yeah, well, no. I mean, we can tell them. For those that don't know, I've always I've had decrepit teeth for 20 years, and now I'm finally going through the process of getting. We just my saw a implants. picture of Bo with, with actual teeth in. Yeah. Those you look babies. different. Yeah. You like, look completely it like, different. It was like Dracula teeth that you get from the, yeah. the 25 cent machine. You know? Congrats, bro. I'm happy for so, you, man. I've known you I, for a long time. But and now I have no teeth at all. Yeah. So here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I went, how, what, did you talk in the... Did, did no, talk? They, was no, it weird to talk any, with them? No, because they weren't like for fit. They were just for the size. You would have to spit them out? Yes, it was just a test. Okay. But it felt like a shoe in my mouth because they're really thick. You know, they're not the final. Congrats, bro. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll go and we'll in a find, weeks, a, find yeah. a, 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 get an opportunity in one of the episodes to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. No, and have you come on and smile. When a couple of weeks, I should have the temporary. If you're willing, you know, a little yeah. before and after picture or something yeah. like that. <laughs> That's up to you, man. <laughs> uh, check out Miguel at JJD underscore DJJ69. DJJ right. JJD underscore djj 69 must have a new mouth too (laughs) thank you for watching and listening everyone peace love jujitsu you're still stuck on that right i love it it just goes hand in hand when i say that (laughs) 